This episode of Pod Cemetery is brought to you by Yaucha Brand Chewing Tobacco. Yaucha will make you a goddamn sexual tyrannosaurus. Just like me. Pod Cemetery is also made possible by the generous support of listeners like you over at patreon.com slash podcemetery. My name is Chris. My name is Kelsey. And this is Pod Cemetery, where we dissect horror movies like the rotting corpses that they are. And it's Predator and Prey Week here on Pod Cemetery with Predator and Prey. Getting started right away with our first movie, our classic film, 1987's Predator, written by Jim and John Thomas, directed by John McTiernan, and starring Arnold Schwarzenegger, Carl Weathers, Kevin Peter Hall, Elpidia Carrillo, Bill Duke, Jesse Ventura, and Shane Black. Yes, that's right. This movie has two, count them, two future governors. John McTiernan, the director, directed the two good Die Hard movies. <laughs> Die Hard and Die Hard with a Vengeance. He skipped out on Die Hard 2. Die Harder. He also directed Hunt for Red October, which will come up in our discussion about Prey, and Last Action Hero, for which I am an apologist. I loved Last Action Hero when I saw it when it first came out, even before I really, like, had a firm grasp on all the satire going on there. Big, big... I like Last Action Hero. Last Action Hero fan. I know it's not, like, a great movie or anything, but it's a lot of fun. I think it gets slagged off maybe a little bit more than it should. I mentioned the name Shane Black, famous writer. He did all the Lethal Weapon movies. He did The Last Boy Scout, Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. He also directed and wrote The Predator from 2018, which we have not seen. Nope. But for all we've heard, it's a... Terrible movie. That's what we've heard. Um, which is a bummer. But he also wrote a movie that we watched on this show, Monster Squad. Oh. Which is, <laughs> there's also a little overlap here because there's a lot going on behind the scenes. Stan Winston was brought on to design The Predator after that first design sucked so hard. And we'll talk a little bit about that. And the way the folks in his studio talked about it, because they also worked on Monster Squad, was that the people working on Predator were like, They were working on the B project. The big project that everyone wanted to be working on was Monster Squad. But now, decades later, which one do we remember most, right? Which one's much better. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But it's just funny that Stan Winston was working on the costumes and stuff for that. As a matter of fact, Shane Black was writing The Last Boy Scout on set. They hired him specifically because they wanted a writer on set in case they wanted to make any changes, punch up the script at all. Uh, They wanted somebody who knew what they were doing when it came to writing on set with them at all times. They're just like, yeah, let's, let's grab Shane Black. He did lethal weapon. He knows what's up. Even though it's like kind of at the same time, they're both 1987. Uh, And I'm not a capital G guy about too many things, Kelsey, but I fucking love this shit. What is predator about? 
a group of soldiers who have been sent in to do a fake job become hunted by a predator. (laughs) That's all you need to know, baby. Uh, It is available with a subscription to Hulu, or you can rent it for $4 and buy it for $15 on other streaming services. Kelsey, should people watch Predator? I will say yes. Okay. I think that this is one of the few that live up to its name. I think that I was surprised. So, yeah. I think you should see By it. how good it ended up being. Maybe not, like, in your mind, a great movie. <laughs> but, like, you were surprised by it actually being good? Yes. Yeah. Uh, don't get me wrong. I understand that I like a lot of it because it's so ridiculous and over the top. Right. And I don't necessarily think they were trying to be over the top. I understand what you mean by that. But I enjoy it for that reason. Right. I, I remember assuring you going into this that this is not Commando. But it does a little bit of a bait and switch where the first half hour or so definitely is Commando. Like you say, I don't necessarily think that they were going for irony there. <laughs> The fact of the matter is, John McTiernan makes a great action movie. <laughs> he made Predator, and he made Die Hard. And the last Boy Scout, which is fine. I've never seen the, the whole thing, I don't think. Really? Of the last Boy Scout. Yeah, well, interesting. But yeah, I mean, Die Hard is awesome, and this is pretty good. I agree. <laughs> I think if you're going to watch an action movie with a horror twist... This is about as good as it gets. I don't know that there is better than this. I'm sure somebody can mention something that I've talked about in the past or maybe one that I haven't. But if you're into action movies and you want to get into horror movies or vice versa, this is the movie to do it. Yeah. It definitely stands up despite some of it being firmly rooted in 80s action schlock. Yes. Yeah. Uh, So you can take our advice or leave it. When we get back, we will talk about 1987's Predator. Whatever it is out there, it killed Harper. And now it wants us. Nothing like it has ever been on Earth before. She says the jungle. It just came alive and took him. It kills for pleasure. He was skinned alive. It hunts for sport. It's killing us one at a time. But this time... If it bleeds, we can kill it. It's picked the wrong man to hunt. Predator. Rated R. The hunt begins Friday, June 12th at theaters everywhere. All right, Kelsey, get us started. How does Predator begin? We're going to meet our main characters. Arnold Schwarzenegger, of course, is Dutch. Yep. And we have Apollo Creed. (laughs) Carl Weathers. Playing. Dylan. 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 You son of a bitch. (laughs) Dylan. You son of a bitch. <laughs> that's, that's how he <laughs> greets him. And then they do, like, the macho handshake heard round the world. Yes, it's pretty, like, I feel like they're being serious, but it's ridiculous and it's very funny. How yeah. long they stay on that shot. Well, because it's not just highlighting their muscles. That's definitely what it's doing. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> it's definitely like, look at how fucking strong these guys are but it's also 
they're getting into an impromptu arm wrestling contest. So the yes. pause, the fact that they're struggling against each other is an actual thing that's happening. It's yes. not just framed for the camera that way. It's happening kind in the of. world. <laughs> right. But they're giving an excuse yes. in the world as to why they would be holding that pose. Yes. And I kind of, I kind of like that he tries to keep a lot of things in world, like the music and stuff. But sometimes, like I said, like in this shot, it's ridiculous. And then later they'll be listening to music and that'll be part of what's actually happening. Like they'll turn the music off. But if you've ever been in a fucking helicopter, you know how loud that shit is. Uh The idea that they're also playing music and having intimate conversations is ludicrous. Yes, it is. You're right. But it's a play off of... Apocalypse Now. Apocalypse Now, Flight of the Valkyries, you know, you want some music to be played while you're flying in a helicopter. Good Morning Vietnam, where they do that too. Uh Like, yeah, but I totally, I believe that they would do that. I don't believe that they could have a conversation while listening to it. Yeah. One thing you passed up is some nice foreshadowing here. I mean, if we're going to jump right to the helicopter, he is hired by... Dylan and this general that's there. To save some hostages. Yes. That just happened to drift off into a foreign country that is unnamed, even though the map they use is of Brazil. And it was filmed partially in Mexico. But it definitely has this whole, like, Central American vibe going for it. Like, it's very obviously kind of what they're going for. They talk about how Dutch is the best. And... All the the great times that they had together, right? And then Dylan brings up, like, why did you pass on Libya? To which Dutch responds, we're a rescue team, not assassins. Which is going to be important later on. Yeah, because he's been lied to. Uh Uh, So, yes, they're in the, the helicopter where we get the gay F slur, which is just, ah... Jesse Ventura, who absolutely would not do something like that today, I don't think. But at the time, it was totally acceptable. Oh, absolutely. I grew up in a time when that word was totally normal. Yes. Oh, 100%. Yeah. (laughs) Anyway, Blaine says that (laughs) chewing tobacco will make you a goddamn sexual tyrannosaurus. That is correct. He does say that. This stuff will make you a goddamn sexual tyrannosaurus. Just like me. And uh-huh. it's so funny because you've always made such a big deal about that line. And he they cut away from it pretty quickly. Yeah, they do not uh-huh. stay on it. He doesn't say it. He there's so much noise, like it's it could very easily be dropped. So I think it's interesting that you like that line. It's so just much. really funny, the term sexual tyrannosaurus. Mm-hmm. I just love that term. And there's a lot of one-liners in here. Now, this isn't necessarily like running man or Commando or other Schwarzenegger movies. Never seen Commando, you know. Uh, Commando is like the quintessential '80s. I know. I would probably absolutely loathe it. You would hate it, Mm -hmm. but it is like big action set pieces, explosions, and people flipping. Basically, what we get with the Rebel Camp, it's that, but like a whole movie of that, and then like taking place at a mansion in the hills. It's it's so, anyway, there are a lot of one-liners in this movie, but they kind of stop at the turn, 
And then they turn into great quotable moments and not as much like Schwarzenegger one-liners. Stick around. Yes. Yes. Knock, knock. Like these sorts of one-liners. <laughs> I like the way he says them. I just like... I think he knows how ridiculous they are. He just lo- he just has a blast doing it. But I just feel like everyone else was taking it seriously. But like he ha- he always has a smile on his face when he says it. You know, like yeah, he knows uh-huh. how ridiculous it is, which I appreciate. He tells the guy to let off steam when he impales him with the steam pipe in in Running Man. <laughs> Only seen Running Man once. Anyway. They find out pretty quickly that there's American troops here, which is weird. Yeah, because they have, oh, look, a Native American tracker. Now, Billy is his name. <sighs> Billy's amazing. He That's the thing. Okay. Like, I so, really like his character. <laughs> here's the thing about Billy. I mean, despite the fact that, oh, he also ran for governor of, like, Kentucky or something. That's like right. That. Yeah. He did. Sonny Landham. Uh, he apparently is part Native American. So it's not like what they often do where they'll just get like a Hispanic guy and just like call him Native American George or whatever. C. Scott. Or George, George C. Scott and Firestarter. <laughs> so there is at least that. And they definitely, like of all the characters in this movie that are not Arnold Schwarzenegger, they elevate Billy to be like the most revered. Like, he's the guy who knows what the fuck is going on. Yeah, Arnold shows him full respect throughout the film. And when he is, like, disturbed or he hesitates, people are like, "Uh uh-oh. What's Billy thinking? Apparently the actor, though, was very not great. (laughs) Maybe we should be thankful he didn't become a governor. Why? Um, Just he was very prone to getting drunk and getting violent. I don't know how real this is, but there's... Stories out there of how the insurance company made them hire a bodyguard to go with them out there, not to protect anybody from outside forces, but just to watch Landum and make sure he didn't hurt anybody because he was prone to violence. But I don't know if that's just like some shitty Native American stereotyping or what. I don't know. Mm. But this is apparently Billy is what inspired Prey. Now, there was a short, a Predator short, that was, you know, took place in the past and there was a Native American protagonist and basically what ended up becoming Prey. And the guy who made that complains about, I was never contacted, I was never compensated. But the folks that made Prey are like, it's based on Billy. Like, it's it's Billy from the original movie. It's the fight we didn't get to see. And we'll talk more about what that means in this movie later. Yeah. But like, it's the fight you Isn't, didn't get to see. Let's let's have a movie about that. Doesn't Billy die off screen? He does, yeah. So uh, lame. So yeah. weak for such a great character. <laughs> but also you could argue that it's it's you're not disrespecting him by showing him getting whooped on on screen. Which is what's implied happens to him. But anyway. He discovers that there were American soldiers there because of the tracks, right? He notices, oh, well, those boots belong to American soldiers. But he also notices a lot of other things. He'll notice that there was a firefight and they were firing in every single direction, but he has no idea what they were firing at because there are no tracks. But they're going to find... Three skinned men. Bodies, yes. Flayed men. men. Yeah. <laughs> They're hanging from the trees. They were American Green Berets based on the dog tags. One of which 
Dutch knows. Kelsey, who's the one that Dutch knows? Jim Hopper. Jim Hopper. That's right. Jim Hopper. Can't believe that Jim Hopper walked in an ambush. I don't believe he did. I can't find a single track. Just doesn't make sense. What about the rest of Hopper's men? There's no signs. They never left here. Hell, it's like they just disappeared. So what story did you hand to Hopper? Hopper's orders were to go in and get my men and he disappeared. He didn't disappear. He was skinned alive. Hopper. They did the same thing to Jim Hopper. And don't think that that's just a fucking coincidence. Because it's not. Because Shane Black's character's name is Hawkins. Hawkins, you're up. Hawkins, call in position and situation. I think it's Hawkins. You saying that Blaine and Hawkins were killed by a fucking lizard? It's a bullshit psych job. There's two or three men out there at the most. Fucking lizard. So there's no way it's just a coincidence. I mean, Jim Hopper is a pretty... It's a very specific name. Specific I could name. see it being a coincidence if a couple of things. If there also wasn't a character named Hawkins, and if it wasn't an 80s movie that has a like a huge cultural cachet, that a show all about the 80s is making lots of 80s references. And they're being hunted by a predator yeah. whose mouth opens up like a mandible. Like, yeah. It couldn't be more clear when you think about it that yeah. way. If you haven't grokked onto this, uh, we're talking about Stranger Things. <laughs> yes. Big Stranger Things fans. But so, you know, they talk about the fact that, you know, this is inhuman, this is weird. But more importantly, why were they here? Yeah. They should not have been here. Uh-huh. What did you really get us into, Carl Weathers? <laughs> There's going to be an argument about that later. Billy says it's like the rest of his men just disappeared. Yeah. One thing that they're not going to realize until way later is that the predator moves through the trees. He doesn't leave tracks because he doesn't often walk on the ground. We are going to see our first vision of the way... Oh, the heat vision? Yeah. Now, okay, I will concede to Kelsey. There is not a lot of consistency when it comes to what technology the Predator has and what technology he doesn't have. We only really see him use heat vision. Because it's cool looking. It is cool looking. I have a figure here, which I will share on Twitter. It's Dutch, but as if he was being seen through heat vision. I fucking love this figurine. <laughs> it is really, really cool. And you will find out later that the Predator is just wearing a mask, so there is some, like, technology behind it. But you'll also find out later that it's just worse heat vision without the mask. It's like an infrared, almost. You will find out in later Predator movies that they have a lot more than just heat vision. But all we see in this is the heat vision. Which doesn't make a lot of sense for all of the things that the Predator is able to do. And know, and yeah. Mm -hmm. And even still, when we go back to Prey a little bit later, which takes place hundreds of years earlier. 200 years earlier. Like, like 250 years earlier, or even more. What we see from that Predator's point of view is very basic, but it's still more advanced than what we get in this movie. Yes. So I will concede that to you. I'm sure there are explanations for that. 
Like, oh, we only see so much of what the Predator sees. And we do find out in later films that aren't part of this discussion because we're just talking about these two, that they do have other viewpoints and their technology is even more advanced than that. That's just one way that they hunt prey. But the idea is they're basically snakes when it comes to their vision. But Arnold does see one person tied up get shot by a Russian. So he's like... All right. Oh yeah. Let's go in there. This is this is what I'm here to do is save these people. When they so. get to when they get to the camp of the rebels that they find a little bit later, they think they're going to save the kidnapped people that they were there to originally uh, protect. There's a couple things that have happened real quick. They've called the minigun old painless, which I love. It's time for little painless up there. There is a minigun. This is the first movie to have a human carried minigun fired. It would then be used again in Terminator 2. That's definitely you. That's definitely you. Carrying the minigun. That's yeah. what uh, yes, I've heard for a long yeah. time. <laughs> but also, Dylan slips and falls and makes a lot of noise. And Mac, who already doesn't like him, played by Bill Duke, tells him, You're ghosting us, motherfucker. I don't care who you are back in the world. You give up position one more time. I'll bleed you real quiet. Leave you here. Got that? Mac is a dangerous person. We're also seeing that Carl Weathers is not the person that Arnold Schwarzenegger knew in the past. Yeah, he's changed. Which he's is not as good as he used to be. Something Arnold did mention earlier. He's wearing a tie. Pushing pencils. Yeah. Here. Like uh-huh. you're changing. Yes. And we're seeing that he's not used to being out in the wilderness anymore. Yeah. So they're going to have just basically everything you wanted out of an action movie just in this one scene of them invading this camp. I do love the guy who says sexual Tyrannosaurus. When Jesse he, Ventura, yeah. When he finds the truth. Oh, excuse wire. me, excuse me. Jesse the body Ventura. Yes, Jesse the body <laughs> Ventura. I love... When he finds the tripwire. Uh-huh. thought that was a really... Oh, and they have to cut that and it's very tense. Yeah. yeah, that's something that... This is the same director as Prey, right? No. Oh, different directors. Different directors, yeah. Uh-huh. Oh. The, this director hasn't directed very much lately, mainly because he spent time in prison. For what? Spying. Apparently, he has a tendency of unlawfully recording people, like a producer on a movie he was working on, because he thought the producer was, like, sandbagging the film. So he's a paranoia. And, and on his future ex-wife during divorce proceedings... Yeah, it's so it's like scummy behavior, but it's not like, you know, he he didn't hurt anybody. You know what I mean? Like he wasn't assaulting people. He wasn't like a bad human being or whatever. He was just doing really shitty. So antisocial behavior. Is what it is. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Uh-huh. Huh. Okay. So he went to prison a little good- bit for that. <laughs> I was going to say that this has got good stuff. But- oh, yeah. No, he's made two of the best action movies of all time. Predator and Die Hard. Are you kidding me? Well, he knows how to make tension. Yes. That's what I wanted to say. Uh Uh-huh. Like in The Tripwire, that's tension. Yes, that's my point. Um, But yeah, it's... This scene is just ridiculous. You can just kind of... 
check oh, out yeah. for the uh-huh. next 10 minutes. They have a grenade launcher, which is modified. It's not a real thing. The boom, you know, <laughs> it fires the grenades. And then there's a big explosion behind people that are on the second story of a building. And that throws them off. And they do a front flip off of the building in slow-mo. Like, it's that kind of stuff. We get a couple of the one-liners in this. He's carrying around a giant fucking Bowie knife. It's like the size of a machete. It's also a custom knife. Like, it's just way too big. Like, almost ridiculously so that he just chucks at somebody and sticks him into the wall. Leaves that knife behind and he says, stick "Stick around. Stick around. He kicks into one room and says, knock, knock. Knock, knock. Before shooting a guy so hard (laughs) that he goes flying backwards out the wall. Mm -hmm. Like, it is just one of those movies. (laughs) Yes, it is. It is ridiculous. Love it, love it, love it. They only find one surviving hostage, and that is who we will find out later is Anna. She's supposed to be a hostage because they were on. They all wanted to kill her. I thought she was part of the outfit. because they didn't know what was going on, who anybody was. I anything. She was still part of the outfit. She tries to get away from them several times. Oh yeah, because she doesn't know who the fuck they are. But she only speaks in Spanish the entire thing, and I'll point out unsubtitled Spanish. According to McTiernan, he says, I don't read subtitles. I watch the people. And when they're speaking a language I don't know, I pay careful attention to their faces and their behaviors. And so he wanted to make sure that you didn't need to know what they were saying. And to make sure that that was the case, he did not subtitle the film. Everything would be communicated emotionally that you needed to know. But if you could speak Spanish, you would know what they are saying. She says uh, the jungle came alive and took him. That's what that's what the white guy who can speak Spanish says. But Carl Weathers he's not is white. like. He's not. I know he looks white. <laughs> he does. Uh, Richard Chavez playing oh. Pancho. Sorry. And here's the thing. In the credits, it's Pancho P-O-N-C-H-O. Like the clothing item. <laughs> but there is a, a, a Spanish name, Pancho, with, with an a. a. That's just a name. I think he's actually Pancho with an A. <laughs> anyway, he he says that's what she says. But Carl Weathers, who can also speak Spanish, is like, that's not what she said. What she said makes no sense. Gameplay! She says the jungle. It just came alive and took him. Bullshit! It's not what she said. What she said doesn't make any sense. I don't mind when movies choose to not give you subtitles. I assume there's a reason. That's not the reason I would have gone with. I would have gone with the reason of they don't know what she's saying. Right. No, that's like that's, you should be put in their position. That's exactly what's going on. And we will get that with Prey as well. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I think that's exactly it. Now you need to wonder if you don't speak Spanish, who are you going to believe here? I think Carl Weathers comment is more about because he does also speak Spanish to her is more about like she's talking nonsense. Then well, it is Poncho's lying. I don't think Poncho's lying. I don't think he's Poncho's, just Poncho's being a generous to, interpreter. Poncho's trying to yeah. interpret what she yeah, said. Uh-huh. And that's why Carl Weathers is like, no, you got to be more specific. That's not what she said. Because uh-huh. what she said doesn't make sense. Because she, 
they do tell you later what she actually said. And it's written. I have it written down. But I don't remember. She knows was. English. We'll find out later and she'll speak English. But she does actually say what she said. I don't know what it was. It's Go on. It changed colors. Like the chameleon. It uses the jungle. And I thought that was interesting because it's like you get to actually hear what she meant. I liked hearing what she actually said because it's like, no, Carl Weathers was right. That's not what she said. That's not what she meant. She says, uh, yo no sé, I don't know. No sé qué fue. I don't know what it was. Um, he says a couple times, dime mujer, just tell me woman. Quién fue? Dime. Who was it? Tell me. She says, la selva, the jungle. La selva se lo llevo. The jungle took him. That's what she says. And so Dylan is, I think this is an expression of Dylan's lack of control, right? He's supposed to be the leader. He's supposed to be leading all these operations. He's confused. And so everyone else must be confused as well. I think that's probably what's going on there. I wouldn't read too deeply into that. Okay. I think it's Mac who tells Arnold... Something pretty big was going to happen here. Yeah. Um, so in, in a lull in the action, Dutch asks him, are there any sign of other hostages? And he says, found the other hostage. He's dead, too. And the kid in the chopper. They're going to say chopper a lot in this movie. Oh, yes. But if it's Central American, I'm a goddamn Chatterman. Which, I, who is it? The There's a comedian that says that's the most lazy slur ever. Just take the name of the country and add man to the end of it. But anyway, it's a little, you know, maybe insensitive here. From the looks of things, our cabinet minister, who was they were supposed to be rescuing, was CIA. So he wasn't actually a cabinet minister. Another thing major, those other guys you waxed were Russian military advisors. Something very big was going to happen here. So this is when we're starting to get the impression that Dutch has been lied to. They aren't there to rescue a cabinet minister and like his secretary or some shit. It's after this, they're still cleaning out people where there's a guy up over a ridge firing down at them. And Ventura says, son of a bitch is dug in like an Alabama tick. And Poncho says, you're hit, man. You're bleeding. And Ventura says, I ain't got time to bleed. Hell yeah. Which is not nearly as great as the response. Which is? Oh. Okay. <laughs> like, I heard the line. I ain't got time to bleed. I was like, Chris loves that line. And then the guy's response is so much better. <laughs> And then he says to him, you got time to duck. And then he fires grenades up over the ridge. <laughs> like, oh, shit. They hide underneath the ridge. <laughs> it's great. It's awesome. Uh, but yes, yeah, so it's, it's somewhere around here that uh, Dutch attacks Dylan. And he's like, you fucking lied to us. It was bullshit. All of it. You said so. It's all bullshit. All of it. The cabinet minister, the whole business. Got us in here to do your dirty work. What happened to you? I could trust you. <laughs> what happened to you, Dylan? You used to be somebody I could trust. He says, I woke up. Why don't you? You're an asset. An expendable asset. And I used you to get the job done. Got it? And Arnold's like, My men are not expendable. I don't do this kind of work. But, like... We're not assassins. But 
He's in the Expendables. Yeah. He's in it. <laughs> That's what people say. I mean, because Expendables is all about, you know, these people who were the Expendable assets. It's, it's a reference to 80s action movies, which is why it's all stars, 80s action stars. I want to point out before we move on uh-huh. that at some point, Arnold tells one of his men, leave no traces. He tells that to Mac. He says, good work, Mac. Clear the area. Leave no traces. Go get the other men. The death and destruction that these people have no, created. No, specifically leave no trace of Americans being there. Cause all the destruction you want. They were attacked by somebody. It just was not us. I see. Uh-huh. It's just a ludicrous statement. <laughs> This is where we find out why Jim Hopper was there, because they were sent in first. They're specifically looking for this place. At one point, Dylan is looking through all this paperwork and it's like, ah, we got him. We finally got him. You know, this is these are enemies that they've been trying to dig out of this jungle for a while now. Uh, It's the Russians plotting something along with the, I don't know, Guatemalans who against America. He tells him, look, we've been looking at this place for months. My men were in that chopper when it got hit. Hopper's orders were to go in and get my men, and he disappeared. To which Dutch responds, he didn't disappear, he was skinned alive. Like, Jesus. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, he also has the line here, So he cooked up a story and dropped the six of us in a meat grinder. Yeah, what happened to you, Dylan? You used to be someone I could trust. Mm-hmm. So they're leaving. They're getting out of there. They have this hostage woman now, Anna, and they're going to get out of there. Mac is going to save Dylan's life by killing a scorpion on his shoulder. Yeah, at first, Dylan and Mac just don't get along. They really don't. In the original script, it was because he was racist. So Mac and Blaine Ventura were just like hick racists. And they didn't like that they were being told what to do by the black Dylan. But now Mac was cast by a black actor. (laughs) And they couldn't pursue that storyline anymore, especially with Mac and Blaine still being like best friends. Like they kept that dynamic. So they, they couldn't do the whole racism thing. So instead, Mac just has to be really fucking intense and hate this fucking pencil pusher. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it's like he's going to stab him or something like that. And yes, he ends up killing a scorpion, which later on, the predator, when he's reviewing the scene, picks up. And will repeat in his head what he heard. Yes. Which I thought was weird. We hear that a lot throughout the movie from his perspective. We'll hear people, like, repeating themselves. What that is, is it's the predator, like, learning their the sounds that they make. Like and a duck call. Like, you think that might lead somewhere. And he does speak, but in the very end, no, and it makes no difference. He uses it. He repeats something that somebody else says. Shane Black is going to tell a bunch of pussy jokes. jokes, and I'm just like. <laughs> the other day, I went up to my girlfriend. I said, you know, I'd like a little pussy. She said, me too. Mine's as big as a house. Yeah. You see, she she wanted a little one because hers was. Big as a house. Cool. Get it? It's funny because she has a big. Pussy is basically the joke. It was the 80s, man. It was the 80s. But, like, what's the joke? It's so. The joke is that nobody laughs except, except, this is actually super important for later. Doesn't Billy laugh? Billy laughs. 
Billy thinks it's absolutely hilarious because the first joke about how his wife has a very large vagina is told to Billy and Billy doesn't react. And he has to like sort of explain it to him. It's because she had a big vagina, you know? So so later on, there's going to be a same thing. He tells a joke about an echo. Billy will laugh and he'll laugh very heartily and loudly. And the predator will hear that. And mimic it later. Yes, he will mimic that laugh later. The other day, I was going down to my girlfriend. I said to her, Jace, you got a big pussy. Jace, you got a big pussy. She said, why did you say that twice? And I said, I didn't. See, it's because of the echo. Speaking of Billy, he's gonna be standing off staring into the trees uh, coming up here, and everyone's gonna be asking, what's got Billy so spooked? He knows they're being watched, but he cannot find what is watching them. He tells Dutch there's something in the trees up there ahead. What is it? Billy. What the hell is wrong with you? There's something in those trees. Because he can't actually pinpoint what it is that's making him so on edge. Now, I think it's in the novelization that he actually does have kind of like Native American superpowers. And I think they tie back in with like Prey and that whole story. Like there's a connection between the natives and the predators. Yeah. Gross. I hate it. (laughs) Mm. I do like the line. Arnold asks if, if I think it's Poncho, asks him, hey, did you find Hawkins? And he goes, I don't know. Did you find Hawkins? I, I can't tell. Yeah. Because it's so just Hawkins pieces gets everywhere. Taken. Hawkins gets taken in front of Anna. Uh, this is Shane Black. He's like the first one to die. And he gets taken. And yeah, they find a body later and they don't know. If it's Hawkins or not. Because it's in pieces. Uh Uh-huh. It's brutal. It's fucking brutal. Around here, we're going to see the invisibility cloak for the first time. That's an invisibility cloak. This is when Anna tries to escape. Yeah. That's the reason Hawkins went after her, right? Went off by himself. He's watching her, yeah. Yes. And he gets taken by the predator. And she doesn't move. She's so terrified. Uh Uh-huh. She's got blood on her face. And, you know, at first, Carl Weathers is going to be like, she killed him. And Arnold's going to be like, are you fucking insane? She did not do this. And why didn't she escape if she did? Why didn't she run? If she killed him so she could escape, why is she still here right now? I like that some people use logic. Uh, (laughs) Dutch is an extremely capable person. It's a... Like, the movie is basically filleting Arnold Schwarzenegger (laughs) with with the Dutch character. Uh, But yes, we get the invisibility cloak for the first time, really, here. 
And this is going to be where we're going to talk a little bit about the Predator suit. Okay? Okay. Just a little bit. Uh, So it's a really cool effect, which they did in a couple different practical ways. There is definitely some special effects going on, like some digital effects. But basically what they do is they film it uh, in red. So they have the Predator suit and it's all red um, because that is the 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 color that most contrasts with the green trees and the blue skies. So it'll stand out and you could pull the red out of the frame or out of the film uh, without fucking up the rest of the, the, the image. Right. And then they film that same backdrop or that same shot with a different lens. And then they put that behind it. And since it's a different lens filming with a different angle, it looks distorted. So basically, yeah, they pull out the red and they put a different shot of the same background in behind it. Uh, and they do that a couple times. That's why it sort of repeats. Uh, and that's why when you look at behind the scenes shots of the original Predator costume, it's red. Now, that was Jean-Claude Van Damme. And like his first, like, hey, I've come to Hollywood. I'm going to be making a big blockbuster action movie. I'm going to be an action star. And then he realized the fuck i'm going to be in a suit no one's going to be able to see my face look at this look at this fucking bug thing that i'm wearing uh it's hot it's heavy i'm going to be like a stunt man this is not what i'm here for and he ended up leaving in the time between the redesign uh because i think everyone sort of agreed oh this just doesn't work mm-hmm. it looks great on paper it just does not work designed and put on a human being uh, yeah, it looks ridiculous if you if you see behind the scenes shots. And so this is where they got Stan Winston on Schwarzenegger's advice uh, because Stan Winston worked on Terminator. <laughs> and so he's like, oh, yeah, I know who you can get to do this. <laughs> and so they brought him in and he spoke to all the producers and the director and everything. And he agreed to do it for three times the amount that they were paying the other guys. And they had a year. And he had six weeks, which is like no time to turn this around. This is the time when I said they're working on Monster Squad. Uh, and so everyone was like, what the fuck? What, how we're going to have to turn this around? Somewhere in here, he gets on a plane to Japan with James Cameron. They're, they're doing a press run for like aliens. And he's sketching out what he thinks the Predator can be. And he's basing part of it on one of the producers, Joel Silver, uh, has a picture up in his office of a Rastafarian warrior. That's where the dreads come from. Now, the predator is supposed to be like it's supposed to be like uh, biological, like they're quills or something like that. Like in Star Wars. Yes, a little bit like the tentacle headed aliens in Star Wars. But anyway, he's drawing it on the plane, working through the design that he wants to create. When James Cameron says, I've always wanted to make a creature that has mandibles. And he suggested you should put some mandibles on that fucker. Uh And So like the design of the Predator is it comes down to Stan Winston having a six week turnaround on a new design happening to be on a plane with James Cameron, who suggested mandibles for one of the most iconic monster looks in cinema history. But yes, it is. If they look like dreadlocks, they're supposed to look like dreadlocks, but it's not like a, Oh, aren't the Jamaicans 
animals. No, it's like it's supposed to be a reference to like their their warriors. You know what I mean? But I can see how people might feel that that's insensitive. Uh, but that's where that comes from. Anyway, that's the predator outfit. They ended up hiring a new guy who I mentioned earlier. Instead of Jean-Claude Van Damme, they have Kevin Peter Hall, who is seven foot two. And he's in this suit and he is huge and it is very heavy and it weighs a lot and it's off balance. And they ended up having to like strap him to pulleys and shit like that to keep him standing. He's huge. That's why later in Prey, when they talk about how, oh, the tracks it leaves behind are even bigger than a bear's. It can't be a bear. Like this thing has to be gigantic. It's because he is. Even though the one in Prey is actually shorter than this one here. By oh, a couple, really? By like five, six inches, something like that. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. It's pretty evident at this point that something is running around the jungle killing people. Yes. And they're like, okay, it killed Hopper. Now it wants to kill us. It, it changes its colors to use the jungle. I think that's what she tells them later, like in English. Yeah, we discover that she can speak English. She could the whole time. Kind of after things get really extreme. When they freak out about Hawkins and then they're worried that they're going to be attacked, is it Mac that attacks him, fires on him, something like that? But then Ventura, Blaine, ends up firing his minigun into the tree line. Not into the tree line, they're in the middle of the trees. Just like the hole in the hole in the jungle sort of thing, where they just cut down trees with all their weapons and everyone just stands in a line and starts firing into one direction. And this sort of mimicking what Billy was saying about the American soldiers at the beginning, where they were firing all over the place, they were the only ones firing, and I have no clue what they were firing at because there's no trace of anything. So, like, that's happening again now. And it's going to happen later as well with the Predator. But anyway, Ventura will die. He gets, like, um... I forget what it's called. He's wearing an MTV shirt and he just gets that through his back and then out his chest and he dies, which really, really pisses off Mac. Mac does manage to hit him and we see the predator's blood, which is literally just the inside of a glow stick. <laughs> they just snapped open glow sticks and poured it places. That's where Isn't they that stuff super dangerous and toxic. I, I, well, I imagine if you eat it, it is. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, this is where we get the, uh, Major, you better take a look at this. Did you find Hawkins? The jungle, it came alive and took him. Uh, when they look at Blaine's body, Dutch says, no powder burns, no shrapnel. He wasn't shot by a gun. He wasn't exploded by a grenade. And then Dylan says, the wounds fused, cauterized. What the hell could have done this to a man? To which Poncho says, not a thing. Not a fucking trace. No blood, no bodies. We have nothing. And all of that firing randomly and wildly, they hit nothing. Can we talk a little bit about the predator and the noises he makes? Sure. This is my little thing. Sorry. It's Peter Cullen. Do you know who Peter Cullen is? No. Optimus Prime ah. is the voice of the predator. Now... Saying the voice of the Predator is a little bit weird because he mainly talks by mimicking humans. But he also makes a bunch of other noises, including the clicking sound, which is all Optimus Prime. <laughs> but he liked he liked the look 
of the Predator. The red one? No, no, Stan Winston's designs, the the final ones. Without the mask, he thought it looked really cool, and so he agreed to do it, despite the fact that he had just done King Kong and tore apart his voice. So that's also part of the reason why the noises it makes are, are noises that are easier on the throat. I saw this ugly, ugly face and these tentacles like going like this and and it reminded me of a upside down horseshoe crab dying in a in the sun on a beach when I was a kid. <laughs> it was nasty. But from that horseshoe crab was coming all this crackling sounds, bubbles coming out that were bursting, you know. I could remember it. So I don't know if I can do them now, but I thought, okay. I just thought that that was There's pretty an 80s interesting. King Kong? 70s. Ah. Billy at one point tells Poncho that he's scared. Billy, you know something. What is it? I'm scared, Poncho. Bullshit. You ain't afraid of no man. There's something out there waiting for us. And it ain't no man. We're all gonna die. We're all going to die. Mm-hmm. And it's just like he's just very resigned to that fate, and it's scary because specifically because it's Billy that says it. Like holy oh, it's shit! Oh, Billy, who says we're all gonna die? Yes. Oh yeah. Uh-huh. That's that must be why I wrote that line down. <laughs> it is bad because if he says it, then it's true. Yeah. Uh, okay. So in the middle of the night, they set up a bunch of traps. They're like, we have to camp. We're stuck here because they decide we must make a stand now, or none of us will be left to get back to the chopper. Back to the chopper. Yeah, because we find out that that uh, uh, it's too hot. They're not going to get to the LZ until like 10 and a half hours from now. And hell, guys, if it's bleeding, we can kill it. Yes, we will get there. We're not there yet. That's the next morning. Uh, Overnight, they set up all these traps. Everything they have. Landmines, tripwires. You think this Boy Scout shit's going to (laughs) work? Yes, exactly. It's basically the only hope that they have. And in the middle of the night, Mac freaks out because he hears they get attacked by something. It's making weird noises. It's running through the brush and it's huge. And Mac tackles it and just stabs it to fucking death. And then Poncho calls him out. Jesus, you killed a pig. What the? Do you think you could have found something bigger? Yeah, fuck you, Poncho. <laughs> fuck you. Which, by the way, was a complete fake pig, completely manufactured warthog or whatever you know it's got the tusks and everything matt calls out poncho fuck you poncho Mm. Uh, but they also discover that in the night blaine's body was just stolen and they don't know where it went and this is where dutch says came to get the body he's killing us one at a time like a hunter This is when Dutch realizes he's using the trees. And we see him just take his trophies. 
the demon who makes trophies of man. Yeah. <laughs> Later on, we'll see him in the trees removing people's skulls and spines. That'll happen later after uh, after Billy. But yes, that's why he took uh, Blaine's body. Uh, and so this is where they confront Anna and they realize that she speaks English. It happens in the hottest of summers. Yes. Which they don't ever use, apparently. Uh, it sucks. changed colors. It changed colors like the chameleon. It uses the jungle. It changed colors like the chameleon. It uses the jungle. You saying that Blaine and Hawkins were killed by a fucking lizard? It's a bullshit sight job. There's two or three men out there at the most. Fucking lizard. Which is funny because the original design looked like a weird lizard man. Matco cut himself shaving, which is odd. Well, because they're all like tense and everything. And it, he just like dry shaves, which is a weird thing. That's apparently all Bill Duke's doing. Just like his business. You know, it's like a, an actory thing. What's your business, right? That's his business. He just shaves. And he's a macho man, so he dry shaves. And you, could you imagine dry shaving your legs? I mean, lately I've just been doing it with water. Right, but he's doing nothing. Right. He's so tense, watching the trees and stuff like that, that it snaps. He starts digging the blade into his skin and he bleeds and then it snaps. Um, that's how tense everyone is. Uh, but yes, around here, this is where Dutch says, if it bleeds, we can kill it. Blood was on the leaves. If it bleeds, we can kill it. She says, when I was little, this is Anna's story. When I was little, we found a man. When I was little, we found a man. He looked like, like butchered. The old woman in the village crossed themselves and whispered crazy things, strange things. El Diablo Cazador de Hombres. Only in the hottest years this happens. And this year it grows hot. We begin finding our man. We found them sometimes without their skin. And sometimes much, much worse. El que hace trofeos de los hombres means... The demon who makes trophies of man. So they almost catch it in one of their nets, right? Like it gets caught and it flies up into the air, but they can't keep it in a net. And he starts like shooting with the places where the net is attached and getting out that way. And Max like, I'm going to fucking get this guy for killing my best friend. Right. And he chases after him. And Dylan says, I'm going after Mac. And this is Dylan becoming a team player again. Is it Mac who sings Long Tall Sally and then the song that they were listening to earlier, that's, I'm Gonna Have Some Fun? the same song. Oh, yeah. that's the same song? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Long Tall Sally, she's Bill Sweet. She got everything. And what the child needs. Really? Yeah. I'm gonna have me some fun. 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 Huh. Yeah, Little Richard, Long Tall Yeah, he does. 
he's going to start like losing it and singing the song that they were listening to in the helicopter. Kind of like in <laughs> Coneheads when he sings. Oh, yeah, when he's going to fight the monster. Uh-huh. Yeah, uh-huh, in, the, in the gladiator arena or whatever it is. Yeah, totally, I remember that. Sometimes I feel I want to eh, eh, run away. I want to eh, eh, get away. But let's not skip the line. Get to the chopper! That's not gonna happen yet! It didn't just happen? No, 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 no. Okay, well, he must... He, he, he says... Do, he does say he it. He says it. Just not that one. Yes, he says chopper at Get this point. Get to the chopper. Yeah. This is where Dylan says he's gonna go after Mac, and Dutch is like, that's not your style. And Dylan says, I picked up some bad habits from you. Dutch throws the gun to Dylan, and they're like... The idea is is that they know they may never see each other again, right? Mm-hmm. Dylan says, just hold on to that goddamn chopper. <laughs> they just keep saying chopper over and over and over again. <laughs> so he's going after Mac, who is singing Long Tall Sally. And eventually, you hear Mac's voice, like, over here, talking to Dylan. And you're like, oh, man, is this the predator? <laughs> but no, a hand grabs him, and no, it sure is enough is Mac. And he points out where the predator is on a branch in the trees, and you can see the outline. And he points it out to Dylan. Both of these men are going to die in this encounter, the first of which is Mac, who gets his head blown off. That was a head explosion is what I wrote down. Oh, yeah. That was a head explosion. Brutal, like, viscera on the camera (laughs) kind of violent, which isn't as much of a thing in the 80s. Mm -hmm. But it's you're right behind his head. You see him. He gets the three dots on his forehead. And then you get the shot from behind. Which, in real life, can you see them? Yeah. uh You can. Yeah, it's just like our laser pointer with the cat. So why don't people Because it's on your body. You're not looking at your body. You can't can't see it travel throughout space unless there's a lot of, like, debris, dust, smoke in the air that it can reflect off of. If it's just going through our atmosphere... Alone, you won't see it. You'll only see where it lands. It actually bounces off of something. That's that's how you can see it. So yeah, it's on his his head. Just blows a hole out the back. Later on, when he's collecting his trophies and he has all these skulls, you will see a skull with a hole in it. And then Dylan's freaking out and he's firing his gun wildly. And then he gets the shoulder cannon. So he's using the laser in his mask to target the shoulder cannon, which will be important later. <laughs> and he blows off. The limb controlling the gun. Yeah, an arm gets sliced off. Sliced off. Just like in Prey. We're going to get arms We're going to get arms sliced off. off because those are the appendages that control the deadliest part of the human. Oh. Right? So he's targeting specifically what the threat is. And so, yeah, he'll kill Dylan here as well. Whoever it is that has the big knife, they're going to take it out. We're going to get the shink sound. God, I hate that sound. Shink. <laughs> I hate it so much. I always wanted to be a Foley artist when I was a kid, and I never did anything with it. One of these days, who knows, I'll retire and become a Foley artist. But, like, Arnold, for some reason, really doesn't want this chick to die. Like, he tells her, don't pick up arms. He's yeah. not threatened by you. You'll survive. He says, leave it. He didn't kill you because you weren't armed. That means it's not sport and then later like she'll go to get the gun and he'll be like no and like push it out of her hand because it is noble he wants her to live it is noble for the strong man to use himself and his abilities to protect the woman that's all it is well that's what's going to inspire him to yell 
He's going to get hit by the predator. And Kelsey had a problem with this, and I think I know what the solution is. So I watched it a little bit more. It's hard to tell. I think what happens is, is he hits the gun and not Arnold. So Arnold gets injured, but he's not actually hit by the shoulder cannon. So that's why he survives. Because everyone else is dead. When oh yeah, it just blew. A, it just blew a hole in Max's head, and it chopped off Dylan's arm. But for some reason, Arnold's fine because it actually hits the gun. Okay. Anyway, so he's on the ground and he's yelling at Anna to run. This is the line. Run, go, get to the choppa. Run, go, get to the choppa. Which is funny because how does she know where the choppa is? But whatever, maybe they told her what the landing zone is. So for the rest of this movie... It is one-on-one. He's, yeah, he's going to yell to get the Predator's attention. He's going to cover himself up in mud. Yeah. And seal himself because he figures it out that the guy can... How, how does he figure out he can only see infrared? Okay, so what happens is in their fight... Oh, yeah, he can't see him when he just sits he, there. He, he falls into the water, and when he climbs out, he's just covered in mud from the bank. And, yeah, he doesn't see him. Yeah, so he figures it out, so he totally covers himself in mud. This is where we see the Predator really for the first time, when he takes his mask off and he says, you're one ugly motherfucker. But anyway. Well, that's a little bit later. In the, at night, right? That's going to be after he explodes the bridge that the Predator is on, and I absolutely love the Predator's response. He's walking down this bridge looking for Arnold, and Arnold has a trap set up, and it goes off, and the Predator's response is, Oh! (laughs) He puts his hands back. Yeah, it's it's pretty silly. Uh, So in this, Poncho dies. Billy dies. Because while they're all trying to get away, he's like, No, I'm going to stop. This is where I die. I'm going to stand up to this predator. Is this as far as you go? Yes. Lines must be drawn here. No father. Well, no, I, they say that in Prey. This is as far as oh, they go. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. So he stands there on this log bridge across the river, cuts a line across his chest, which will be done to one to of the, the characters in, in Prey. Uh, involuntarily. Against his will. Yeah, this is voluntary. So Billy carves it, and then he goes to to fight. And so while all this other stuff is going on, people are trying to get to the choppa, you're going to hear Billy scream. Yeah, he dies off screen. It's really lame. You see his body get taken away, and overnight, where Schwarzenegger's trying to set up camp and protect himself, you will see the trophy scene, where he's in the trees, and he rips out Billy's spine and skull. Which is also what inspired Mortal Kombat, which would do it later. <laughs> and holds it up and screams into the sky, into the night sky. And that's where you see all the skulls he's been collecting. These are all trophies of his kills, of actual things that are a threat to him. So now it's just, like I said, the Predator and Dutch, Arnold which, Schwarzenegger. Which is why in Prey, you automatically know it's not the Predator. All the buffalo are dead. Yes, that's how you know they, it's not the predator that did that. They confuse you because they're all skinned. Uh, and one of the buffalo has a hole in its head like Mac did. But the thing is that anyone who knows their history knows that the white people came and killed off all the buffalo. We know that. But also, predator doesn't go after anything that can't harm, harm them. And yeah, buffalo uh-huh. are vegetarians. <laughs> yep. So, first of all, we should discuss uh, mud does not work very well. 
to disguise you from heat sensors because it, it dries really quickly and it just absorbs the heat that's given off by your body. And so it doesn't, it's not very effective for very long. You can take cold mud and it will hide it very briefly, but it dries almost instantly and you're fucked. Uh, but let's just accept for the purposes of this movie that it does work. Well, they're going to be using the same sort Trey's of tactic gonna later. going to say that fucking flowers cold, uh-huh. cool your blood. Enough to where you can't be seen, which is but kind of crazy. But then he does. Oh, because he just hits Because he them. moves. Yeah. He moves. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. He's like, I don't believe this. Well, he just, he, he was going to leave him. He walks away and he steps on him. Oh. That's what happens in Prey. Anyway, we'll get to Prey in a minute. So, yes, in this fight, uh, when he cannot see Dutch as opposed to the other way around where nobody could see the predator, he is, like, destroying the jungle trying to get to Dutch. Which, again, for the third time now, is something that we've seen. So, at first it was Jim Hopper and his men, and then it was the hole in the jungle, and now it's the predator, who now he's being hunted, is kind of the idea here. And he's, like, lost some of his technology, right? Or it's because he took his armor off. He's going to take it off in a minute here. Yeah, to fight Arnold Schwarzenegger. Uh That's when he says, you're one ugly motherfucker. Yes. (laughs) One ugly motherfucker. But this is where we're going to see how the fucking predator sees without his mask. And And it's it's even worse. It's even worse. Yeah. He's running around the jungle at nighttime like it's nothing. He doesn't. Fall, trip, hit anything. How skilled he is. It's oh, supposed please. to be intimidating. It's just it's just less defined heat signature. So it's just like a snake, right? Right, but so how can he see anything that doesn't give off heat? Well, so that's one of the arguments that are made is he has to be able to have some other kind. That's like why they wear the masks. He has to have some other kind of vision in there because otherwise... How does he know what the gun is? You know, how does he know when somebody carries a gun and they're a threat and Anna wasn't, so she's not. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. He, he needs to be able to see things like metal and other such things. Um, so we only see part of what he's capable of is the implication, but I think it's an accidental one. I don't think it was planned. Well, so Arnold is, tr- is like setting a trap trying yeah. to get him to come and he's like, come on. Come on, do it! Do it! Kill me! I'm here! I'm here! Kill me! Do it now! Do it now! Uh Come on! Do it! Do it! Come on! Come on! Kill me! I'm here! Kill me! I'm here! Kill me! Come on! Kill me! I'm here! Come on! Do it now! Kill me! It's pretty funny. Uh, you know, it's great. It's class. It's another of the many classic lines. But the predator's like, I'm Minutin, bitte. Right. And he tries to, like, go obvious. around. And he's not going to hit the tripwire that's been set up. Or the, you know, it's not necessarily a tripwire. But... Oh, I think he does hit it. and But he doesn't kill him. No. So there's a couple of different things that happen. Is it Poncho is the one that got hit by the... the branch the swinging branch earlier like sometimes they'll get hit by their own traps when they set them but anyway he he won't come and instead he goes around and over the log and this is where dutch is like oh fuck 
but he still might be in a good position. So instead, Dutch kicks the the stick that was holding this trap together. This giant log comes slamming down right on top of the predator. And it's pinned him, and he's bloody, and he's dying. What the hell are you? He asks him, what the hell are you? And the predator responds, what the hell are you? What the hell are you? This is the part where I'm kind of confused. Uh Uh-huh. Obviously, predators are very intelligent. Yeah. Otherwise, they wouldn't have the technology that they do. Uh Uh-huh. Oh, we didn't mention the whole movie starts off with the spaceship flying into Earth. So, yeah, so very intelligent. Uh Uh-huh. They obviously have a different communication than we do. Why would he imitate us? Except for when it's useful. Why would he imitate him here? That's a good question. What's the point? So first, yeah, you're right. It's like a duck call or some other such call where he can lure. It's hunters do this, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, by the way, maybe that's how he gets around the forest. The clicking is like an echolocation thing. You know, so he's clicking around and he knows when an obstacle's coming. Oh, there you go. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, well, to the extent that films make it make sense. Yeah, uh-huh. I don't know how No, but realistic. apparently real humans do that shit. Oh, that's right. You're, yes, we did. Yeah. Blind people do that, yeah. Uh, some do, yeah. Which is crazy, like, this sort of weird advanced form of human evolution where people who, you know, you're like, oh, the fucking daredevil, he loses sight and he gains every other sense, you know? It's like, well, yeah, sure, that doesn't really happen. My dad's hard of hearing. Um, and his, his sense that improved is his sense of smell. No joke, he has a fantastic sense of smell. <laughs> I mean, I have bad hearing. You just learned to... Watch people's mouths, right, which is why some... the pandemic made it really oh, yeah. hard to be a teacher. When yeah. they were wearing their masks, I already had bad hearing and then I couldn't see their faces anymore. And I'm just like, I don't know what the fuck you're saying to me, kid. But some blind people, it's not exactly common, but some do like to do like a really remedial form of echolocation where they will make noises and hear how that affects the environment around them. Anyway. Yeah, so Dutch says, what the hell are you? He responds, what the hell are you? Um, not in that same intonation. Right, he no, just he's not, right he is not saying, what the hell are you? Like, right. no, that it's just... I mean, that's the implication. The are you? Right, just imi- but he's mimicking. literally just mimicking it back to him. But it is basically what the script is doing is it's having the predator say... Why do you wear that stupid rabbit suit? Why do you wear that stupid man suit? <laughs> but like he's afraid of humans. It's pointing out that the predator is like, what the fuck are you? You know, you're you're my prey and you defeated me. What oh, kind of weird monster are you? That's better. Yeah, but he's not literally, diegetically, I guess you could say, saying that. He's literally just mimicking him. Mm-hmm. And so he's down for the count and Arnold's going to leave him. Until he does his little button pressy slidey finger thing on his uh, forearm computer. And begins to laugh. And, and it starts to count down. And as Dutch is like, what the fuck is happening? It's blinking. It's beeping. It's, you know, whatever. Yeah, he starts to do Billy's laugh. <laughs> and- 
And Dutch is like, oh, shit. And he runs and runs and runs. He runs away. He dives just as the self-destruct goes off, as the Predator's still laughing. The Predator dies, not Arnold. Yes. I'd say Arnold dives. Oh. Uh, and huge explosion, huge mushroom cloud that the helicopters that have picked up Anna see. And then they come and they pick up Arnold, who just sits in the helicopter, completely covered in mud, saying nothing, leaning up against the wall. And Anna can stare at him like he saved my life in saved by the chopper. Yeah. In all the extended materials for this movie, like in Predator 2. We find out that he had radiation poisoning as a, as a result of that. So that is like a little mini nuke that went off. The pilot of the helicopter, that is Kevin Peter Hall, the guy in the Predator suit. Mm. So he gets his little cameo. Uh, that is the Predator. <laughs> so fucking good. Kelsey. Talked for a very long time about this. I know we did. But I love The Predator. I'm glad. I'm really, really happy. I've been aching to do this movie for a long time. And then I heard Prey was coming out. And I was like, let's do it with Prey. And then it was like, it's on Hulu. It's out right now. And I'm like, oh, shit. Okay, I guess we're doing it this week. <laughs> uh, but very, very excited. What do you think it has on Rotten Tomatoes? I would guess. It's pretty high. I'm going to guess... 86. It has an 80. Oh, okay. Predator. Part sci-fi, part horror, part action, all muscle. There you go. Uh, it has a Metacritic score of 46. Wow. That's the kind of score you get. Like that differential between Rotten Tomatoes and, and Metacritic is the kind of score you get when people are like, yeah, I recognize. It's not like a masterpiece of cinema, but I enjoyed it. You know, like that's how you get those scores. Uh, mm -hmm. People walked out of the theater giving it a B plus as far as cinema score is mm -hmm. concerned. So do you think that it is overrated or underrated? At 80? Yes. I will say it's just a little bit overrated. Uh-huh. I will give this a 75. It is a solid okay. film. I think it is good. I think it is entertaining. I think it's well shot. Um, I think it's decently written. It's just not my kind of movie. Yeah. It's just not what I'm here for. I don't really like action. I don't. At least it's fast paced. At least Arnold is there to keep me entertained. Um, Arnold, I think it's the fun that he's having. Arnold is extremely charming. And that is his best and worst quality as like a human being. I think Arnold Schwarzenegger has gotten to be a better human as he's aged, but around here, he was a total jackass because he was so fucking charming. <laughs> uh, and, of course, a human god <laughs> in his physique. We didn't mention it, but they worked out every single morning. There was a little competition between him and Jesse Ventura. They would play practical jokes on each other. I didn't. I don't think I told you this, but apparently Ventura was told by the um, costume department that, like, oh, holy shit, your biceps are bigger than Schwarzenegger's. Like, don't say anything, but your biceps are bigger than Schwarzenegger's. And Ventura was very, very happy about that. And so at some point in the production, he suggested that they measure their biceps and whoever won got a, a bottle of champagne. 
that the other had to buy for them. And Arnold Schwarzenegger won. Of course he did. Because he told the costume department to tell him that he had bigger biceps. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So it's like those kind of competitions. It is extremely masculine. um, And it is just the quintessential Arnold Schwarzenegger. Love it or hate it. Or maybe somewhere in between. I'm not going to go crazy on this. I'm not going to give it in the 90s. Okay. That said, I will give it high 80s. I think I'm going to give it an 88. Okay. Not quite like one away from 90, you know, that sort of concession of 89. But no, I think this is like peak action movie for me. You know, I mean, I grew up. I think I've mentioned this before where my dad, my mom would go out of town uh, on uh, business trips because she worked HR for larger businesses that were across the country. And so she'd have to like do hiring stuff and firing stuff. And so occasionally she would go to their different satellite locations. And then that was our opportunity to rent rated R movies. And it didn't matter how good or bad it was. It was 80s action. It was Jean-Claude Van Damme. It was Steven Seagal. It was Michael Dudikoff. Like, that kind of shit we were watching. And sometimes there's just one of those movies that sort of transcends that zeitgeist and becomes something bigger. And I think that's what this is. It is the action movie of horror movies, or it's the horror movie of action movies. Either way, uh, you want to look at it. And that makes it, in my mind, one of, if not the best of that combo. So love, love, love this movie. Real big fan. Uh, Which is why it was heartening to hear that they had made another movie that was actually kind of good. So from here, from Predator, we go to Predator 2 with Danny Glover uh, in the city. And this is where we encounter more Predators. We learn about how they treat respect for other things that defeat you in battle, like that kind of thing. He will kill a predator and he will be given a flintlock pistol with the name Raphael something or other, 17 something or other, uh, which will become important later. So we learn more about what they're capable of and how their culture works. And then there's obviously the AVP movies, which we may get into. Who knows? (laughs) Um, Because we've already done all the alien movies. No, we haven't. We haven't done Resurrection, <laughs> have right. we? That's right. We haven't done Resurrection. Oh, my God. Oh, okay. I thought you were making a joke that we had done all the Alien movies. Oh, no. <laughs> all the good ones, at least. And then there is Predators, which we saw. And I don't I, remember it. I so. remember liking it. I was like, oh, okay, good. This is a good Predator movie. The idea is that they took a bunch of assholes and brought them to the to a, a planet specifically for hunting. And we will find a bunch of other Predator-like creatures or other alien creatures, including the River Ghosts, which is the skull that this Predator in Prey wears as his mask. It was a monster from Predators. So, like, these, they're all kind of tying into each other. And then there's... It's all connected. Yeah. There's The Predator, written and directed by Shane Black, who was Hawkins in this, and who also apparently hired uh, a rapist and didn't tell anybody about it. 
So that's really fucking shitty. Mm-hmm. Kind of leaves a weird taste in your mouth with somebody that I otherwise really, really enjoy. So, but then on top of all that, it was for a shitty ass movie, apparently. We didn't see it, but by all accounts, it's terrible. <laughs> uh, so it was very heartening to hear that they had made another one and that it was actually kind of interesting. It's a prequel called Prey from 2022. Kind of a, a requel. Yeah, but I mean, there's no reason why this and Predator couldn't also exist. Like, there's nothing that contradicts. As right. a matter of fact, there's something that directly references Predator 2. Right, Which, but you said that doesn't make any damn sense. It does when you see the end of the movie. What? Okay, so by the end of the movie, she will be given, like, there will be a flintlock pistol. The flintlock pistol that Danny Glover was given in Predator 2. But he was given that pistol by the Predators. So how did they get it from this tribe? It's never explained. Oh, you could put it in a sequel or, you know, whatever. But there's something that happens at the end of the movie that might explain that. Okay. Anyway, the movie is written by Patrick Asen based on a story by Dan Trachtenberg and Patrick Asen. Dan Trachtenberg directed it. Of course, based on characters created by Jim and John Thomas from the original, starring Amber Midthunder, Dakota Beavers, and Dane DeLiegro. Amber Midthunder, we've seen before. She was in Legion. Uh, she was the one who shared the body with the older guy. The one that looks just like Aubrey Plaza. Yes. Who's also, who's also in, in Legion. Legion. That's right. Dan Trachtenberg, we know, the director of this movie, from 10 Cloverfield Lane. Boom. Which we haven't done yet. We haven't. Um, it's very good. We haven't done Cloverfield. Well, Cloverfield's not good. You could do one without doing the other, I feel. I don't really... Yeah, the connection is weak. Yeah. So, Kelsey, what is Prey about? A Native American woman is hunted by the Predator, kind of. He's also just... He's also kind of helping her without meaning to. I don't know. Yes. Story about the Predator hunting a human. He comes to Earth. (laughs) He comes to North America specifically in the early 1700s. Correction. He comes to Canada. North America. (laughs) I did say North America. Right, but it says the Northern Plains. Yeah. The Comanche are actually from like Texas, Mexico, like that area, at least in the 18th century. So the 1700s. But yes, the movie was filmed primarily in. Uh, Canada, because it's just fucking gorgeous. It is. The cinematography is incredible in this movie. Yeah. Interestingly, also, like, it has all of the actors are that play Native American roles are Native American. Thankfully. Um, yeah, uh, at least to some extent, including Dakota Beavers, who plays her brother, the main character's brother. And this was the first thing he's ever even been in. Which is surprising, because he was fun. The movie is available with a subscription to Hulu, and only that way. Kelsey, should people watch Prey? Yes. It's good. I think that it has flaws. I think that it really wanted to drive home this idea about feminism, and I thought that it was heavy-handed and yeah, it poorly felt, acted and not well-written. So it, it, it felt like a 90s movie. A little bit like that's how tactful it was. It was just so obvious about it that Mm -hmm. it was like, guys, come on. You could just make the movie you want to make and that would be more effective. But no, 
every male character except for her brother has to be actively antagonistic towards her. Nobody could believe in her because she's a woman. Like, it's it's just very, very heavy-handed on the fact that they have a female main character. I don't want it to sound like I'm like, oh, no, 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 don't cancel me. I mean, legitimately, I am a feminist. And I love the fact that it's a female main character. I'm totally fine with that. I'm down with that. And I want it to be. It's just the way that they message it is too heavy handed. It's too like, eh, guys, see what we're doing here? And it's like, yeah, we get it. Stop. <laughs> you know, <laughs> so that's that's definitely, I think, a downside of that. But it's an awesome main character. She is very badass. And I don't think anybody can call her a Mary Sue. First of all, it was written by a dude. You obviously don't know what the fuck a Mary Sue is. A Mary Sue is a self-insert character. When you're doing fan fiction and you want to insert yourself into this canon that you love. And then everyone loves you and thinks you're the greatest. And it's just a way of patting yourself on the back. This was written by a dude. It's not a Mary Sue. You don't know what a Mary Sue is. But in any case, she cannot be this sort of like, there's no way a woman could do any of this stuff. And also have watched Predator. Are you fucking kidding me? (laughs) That is all about machismo and a bunch of men being action heroes doing stuff that it would be fucking impossible in real life. Living through shit there's no way they could possibly live through. Like, you cannot say that about this movie and not say that about Predator. So you can't look at this and say it damaged Predator in any way because of it. Mm-hmm. Because that's what fucking Predator is. It's about showing people being really fucking badass. It's what it is. I'm sorry. Now, I, I'm looking it up right now, and several websites have said that Comanche warriors and chiefs were strictly men. Yes. No, there was d- absolutely a gender hierarchy there. And I wouldn't necessarily call it a hierarchy. It's just different roles, right? Like, the men were hunters and the women were gatherers. That's just the way it worked. And there were expectations. And so I'm fine with the presence of that. Like, her line, they ask her, why do you want to be a hunter so bad? And she says, uh, because you all think I can't. It's great. That's a great reason to do something, I think. If you're into doing something, nobody thinks you can do it, use that as motivation to prove them wrong. Love it. Works well. That's not the problem I have with it. It's just how fucking actively antagonistic to the point of violence against her they are. Yeah. Like, come on. Anyway, the movie did very well on Hulu. In its first three days, it did the most viewing hours in that same amount of time as literally anything else that has ever been on Hulu Ever movie or TV series. Uh, the record was previously held by the Kardashians mm. uh, for the, the most watched TV series. You can take our advice or leave it. When we get back, we will talk about 2022's Prey. Why do you want to hunt? Because you all think that I can't. I saw a sign in the sky. I'm ready. There's something out there. I'm coming with you. You can't. I'm trying to protect you. Protect me from what? It's time. 
it knows how to hunt, I know how to survive. Kelsey, get us started. How does Prey begin? So our main character says, a long time ago, it is said, a monster came here. She says something in Comanche first. Yes. And then it says it again in English. A long time ago, it is said, a monster came here. And we're going to find out that they talk about Predator as if, like, it's this ancient monster, like a kid's story. Yeah, the name for that is Mupitzel. I thought that was interesting because in the original they said that, too. You know, it's been happening. It's been happening forever. Mm -hmm. But it's sad because the original made it clear, like, it happens in the hottest time. Mm -hmm. And they just don't bother to, to touch on that here. Right. And I think that's a wasted opportunity. Throughout the film, we're going to see just beautiful landscape shots, but of course, again, they are of Canada, mm -hmm. which is not where it is supposed to take place. No. We're going to meet our main character. What is her name? Naru. Naru. And she, we again, like, she looks a lot like Aubrey Plaza, but <laughs> not her. <laughs> she is very pretty, I gotta uh -huh. say. Uh, she is woken to help collect like i think they look like yams roots of some kind yeah uh, -huh. uh because they are hunter gatherers and i did look it up very briefly i did not do a lot of research mm -hmm. but from what i did see the gender roles were pretty defined yeah. uh the girls mm -hmm. did the taking care of the the gathering while the men took care of the and hunting we're specifically talking about comanche here not necessarily every native right. american specifically tribe. Comanche. yeah uh, she practices throwing a hatchet, and it is cool, But and she will eventually attach a rope to it, which, as we said, it just wouldn't work that way. Right. Okay, so this is, this is, like, they're setting you up for the fact that you're going to see her do some perfect shit. Mm-hmm. Impossible. There's no way, unless you rehearse that specific movement in that string every single day, all day, and even then, luck is a factor. If you've ever gone axe throwing, there is a skill to it. There's also a luck factor. I say luck, but like any sort of variation, and that just doesn't work. So you're just going to have to accept that. We're going to get some people doing things that are extraordinary. But guess what? That's the Predator franchise, baby. Right, but I felt like this movie was trying to be more grounded yeah i mean it, it does kind of set you up for that you know but that isn't the case this movie will not be grounded yeah i think they're trying to tell you that here but mm -hmm. it's it's not as obvious here because at first you're just like well she's throwing it at the trees uh we don't the trees know don't move yeah we're not seeing her misses really right like Right, it's like she misses twice, I think, and then she tries again and she hits it, and she will never miss again. Well, except when she's just trying to throw it, not actually, like, hit something, but, like, lob it. She misses a couple times that way <laughs> later on. 
She also has a dog, Sari. Yes, and her dog is just excellently trained. Yes, perfect dog. Perfect dog, uh-huh. never does anything wrong. Uh, risks its life for her. Risks its life for her. Multiple it's, it's times. Smart enough to, like, get the predator's attention. like The bear's attention. But they show you that first with the bear. Yeah. Where it gets the bear to follow it away from her. So it does show you that it that's kind of its normal behavior. And don't worry, the dog will not die. Yes. Does the dog die? No. The dog uh, makes it. The dog will get hurt, but she will very quickly... Uh, Protect it. Oh, this is where she's going to find the bear trap. Yes, because her dog gets hurt in the bear trap. Yeah. Because it's tail caught. And you might be thinking, the predator? No, this is a, these are French trappers. Yeah, we will meet them later. Mm -hmm. But Sari's tail is the only thing that gets hit. So this is like a twofer. We get to see the trap and we get to see her medicine work. So we'll see later on a scene with her and her mother where they're making medicines together. Now, I didn't look up anything about, like, how they the sexes treated each other, but it just feels, like, very... It feels like they would be more respectful to each other than these people are. Right. I totally, don't know. Totally. But anyway, I want to mention that she is going to find a deer here, and she's going to go after it. And there was a whole lot of parkour going on in this movie. She parkour. constantly pushes herself through trees, uh, you know. And again, like, I think this is the movie trying to tell you, hey, this might be, like, real, but also not so yeah. real. Yeah, uh-huh. We're going to have some fun. Don't mm-hmm. worry. She thinks she sees the Thunderbird. She thinks that's her sign that she can go oh, on, like, her spirit that's a beautiful shot. Journey. So the, there's a Predator ship that's entering the atmosphere, and it's surrounded by these, like, gray clouds. And it's, it's like, burning up in the atmosphere. So there's, like, flames and stuff as it's pushing through. It's a gorgeous shot. And... Not knowing anything about spaceships entering atmospheres, you could, and it's behind, obscured behind the clouds, you could see why she would be like, holy shit, I just saw the Thunderbird. Absolutely. Yeah, and she's been hearing what she thinks is thunder, but really it's the spaceship entering our atmosphere. Yeah, uh-huh. And I, yeah, I thought that was good. Um, I thought that was well shot. I do like, the, like I said, the cinematography of this movie is amazing. Mm-hmm. And this is when she's. we're going to meet her brother. Tabe. And he is going to say the line, you should want to hunt something that's hunting you. Yeah, so they're talking about basically a hunting rite of passage. And this is where, like, okay, I don't... They're all for her going on this rite of passage. Her brother is. Right, no but one nobody, else really is. No, but nobody says she's not allowed. Right, nobody's going to stand in her way, but right. like, he's the only one who's supportive so that's, of it. But that's why it makes me think, like, okay, but then later on, if she, since she's not fulfilling her gender roles, they're going to physically assault her. Like, like, I don't, something about that is off for me. But in any case, yes, they're going to do this thing called the um, Kutamiya. And it's basically this hunting rite of passage where you can't just be a good hunter. You have to hunt something that's hunting you. Tabe, this morning in the sky, I saw a sign. The Thunderbird. I've been practicing. It's time. I'm ready for my katamiya. You really think you're ready? You want to hunt something that's hunting you. 
we're talking bears and mountain lions. That is a parallel to the predator, right? Yes, because that's, I mean, way back to the very first predator, it is only going to go after things that are a potential threat to it. That's what the hunt's about. And we'll see in later movies that we do have, like, rite of passage hunts that the Predators do. And I'd like to point out that, you know, while some people might find parallels between this and the deadliest game, actually, no. I I was going to say something and I realized that that's not really any different. Hmm. I was going to say, yeah, at least, like, the Predator only goes after things that's going after it, but... The only reason anything goes after the Predator is because he goes after them, which is the same from the most dangerous game. Mm -hmm. He's like, oh, I'm only going to kill a human, like, you know, that's smart enough and whatever. But it's like, but that human would have never come after you if you hadn't put them in this situation. Not necessarily, though. Like, I mean, well, you could say the same thing about hunting for a lot of different animals, too. You don't need to be in that situation. Um, You're coming there specifically to kill them. Yeah. Uh, But in any case... In the jungles of this unnamed country, you're go- they're going in there fully armed and causing chaos. And those are the ones that he targets. So they didn't come there to hunt him, but they are still a threat. And they, di- you know what I'm saying? Like, he didn't cause them to come there armed and killing things. They were already doing that themselves. But they didn't want to ke- kill him. Right, but he shows up. He sees one person kill another person, and he's like, okay, that's the thing I'm hunting now. Right, but that he, but the idea that, oh, it, it only if it's hunting him, it's not. Yeah, so I guess it's not that it is hunting you, but that, it, that does, it's dangerous. it does hunt you. Like, it is, you can be predator and prey, hence the name prey. We're going to see that a bunch where we're going to see, like, okay, a snake totally minding its own business. He doesn't attack it. It's not, then the snake attacks the mouse that it finds or the rodent that it finds and eats it. Okay, now this is a dangerous thing. And then it attacks the predator. He kills it, right? Later on, we're going to see a rabbit being chased by a wolf. So he realizes the rabbit's not my prey. The wolf is. My prey is predators. So like that's like the theme that goes throughout this movie in particular, but also kind of the entire franchise. So why does he continue to pursue the girl even though every time he... It's funny. Predator kind of becomes her savior on accident. Yes. uh He's constantly pursuing her, but she is constantly being put into dangerous situations and so he kills off everything that's That starts becoming a danger to her. She is the rabbit in that scenario. So why is he following her? If she continues to be the prey. Well, she keeps trying to find him. He's off doing his own thing half the time. And then she she keeps tracking him down. And I think he's trying to evaluate, like, is she a threat or isn't she? And then they keep running into scenarios where she is the prey, so he needs to kill her predator. And that's, she. she's the rabbit, they're the wolves, you know. Now, we are told that it is 1719. Which makes the isolation of the Comanche less believable. We do, of course, encounter the French trappers, but I believe that they would be encountering people migrating across the country. It's a big country, man. I guess. It just feels... It feels like it should have been 100 years earlier, like 1619. Yeah. 
Now, see, uh, the Oregon Trail wasn't established until 1811. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, shit. Okay. That's why the, the 49ers refers to the 1849ers. Well, people that, that showed like up in California. Rush. Yeah, it is the gold rush. But that's a lot of the reason why more people moved west. And so, like, it's the 1800s, really, that they started. I guess our revolution wasn't until 1776, so I guess yeah. never mind. And, and and plus, the Oregon Trail goes to the north, and they're in the southwest. They're in the northern plains. Well, that's not where the Comanche were. <laughs> well, according to the to movie, they're in the northern plains. That would put them closer to Canada, but that's not where the Comanche were. This movie's just wrong. No, see, but no, see, that's the thing. I don't think it is. We're getting something wrong. We must be. Because, like, it was produced by somebody with Comanche heritage. They had subject matter experts come in and change things in the movie to correct them. Like, I guess in the original script, there weren't any horses. Uh, it wasn't until their historians came in and were like, there's no fucking way you would have a Comanche tribe and not have horses. Uh, so Tabe rides a horse at one point in there. And then when you go to where their settlement is, there are horses there. So, yeah, I believe that would be the sort of thing to, that they would correct if it was wrong. But so we must be wrong. That's my only guess. But I don't think it's necessarily something that you really need to worry about. It just it is what it is. They're in a place where there's basically no one here. Well, so we learn a little bit more about our main character. As we said, she really wants to hunt. Everyone tells her not to. And she. And why do you want to do it? Because you say I can't. Yeah. It, it is that. My girl, you are good at so many other things. Why do you want to hunt? Because you all think that I can't. I wish that that was as far as that went. And it is not. Uh, as we have said many times at this point, She's going to get all kinds of abuse from male characters, and it's way too in your face, way too explicit, obvious, it's poorly written, executed, and whatnot. Yeah, and it's one of those things where it's like, she's underestimated by the jerk head, and I think literally in my notes, I didn't know what his name was, so I just kept calling him Dickhead. Because that's like, that was his character. He was just the dickhead. Right. And I'm not saying that there aren't just dickheads. There are, but they are rarely, they just rarely are that, like, it's not clear and obvious. It's and not compelling cinema, whether right. it's real or not, I think is the point. And so when you have this person go like, oh, no, you can't be a fighter. You're, you're a wimp. And I'm going to hit you and I'm going to bully you. And then that person gets their ass beat by the person that they were bullying. And it's like, ha, ah, doesn't this feel great? It's like, no, it doesn't because it feels contrived. That's my problem with it. Mm -hmm. We didn't need it. It was completely unnecessary. Other than back to that theme of predator and prey. They get attacked in that moment later by the predator specifically because they were attacking her. Yes. So that needed to happen for the predator interaction. and But that's not how it's framed in the story. It's framed in the story as, you know, we there's no reason for us to beat you up other than you're a woman and you're being uppity. Like, mm, okay. Whatever. At one point, the predator is going to kill a snake. Yeah, it's the one I was talking about before. And he's going to skin it and it felt very much like Red Dead. Oh, yeah, very much so. <laughs> Later on, Naru is going to come across this because she is insistent. Everyone admits, regardless of whether she's a, a good hunter or what role she should have because she's a woman, everyone knows she is one of the best trackers in their village. 
tracker and good with medicine. Yes. And so... Although, I don't know if I fully... Like, maybe it, maybe it does. Maybe this one flower really does cool, cool your blood. The orange tootsia. I don't know. It just felt... So, apparently, there's no way to know, but apparently, people are saying, well, it might be the calendula flower, which is also orange and was used in medicine. Who knows? But uh, it doesn't matter. In this world, we have this flower, um, and it's magical, because yes. Native Americans are magical. Mm-hmm. But whatever, you know what, it's... It, if if this is a movie that Comanche people or Native American people in general want to make to represent them, then I'm all for it. Yes, I understand it was written and directed by white people, right? Like I get that, but they were they were they were produced in the context of Native Americans doing something for themselves, right? So if that's the way they want to be represented, then I'm totally fine with it. I also, as Chris was saying, she's known as like this great tracker or whatever, but uh-huh. like. They disbelieve her at every turn, and I'm just like, okay, so can they just not track? Right. Like, I'm just a dopey warrior that just knows how to kill things. Like, it just seems ridiculous. Like, the fact that they have, like, she's like, oh, this is where the cat's going. And they're like, why would you look at shit? And I'm like, I'm not a tracker. Uh Uh-huh. But the little that I do know uh-huh. is that animal shit is very important. But it, like, it's I, basically... You can tell how long ago they were there. Mm-hmm. Like, it just... The brother-sister <laughs> duo of Tabe and Naru are just the best at everything. Despite the fact that they don't always succeed. And we will see that throughout the movie. They are effectively the best people there right and but the point is is that when she says it nobody believes her and then they're like what are you stupid and then tabe has to be like no you can see in the scat oh good dog found shit we're not looking for wolves it's not wolf you see that crushed bone that's lion scat the cat that made it was big and everyone's like, oh, oh, okay. They listen to him because he's the man. But again, the fact that they don't know this stuff. Like, I'm just like... They- You're right. They should know this stuff. But apparently the only two good trackers are Tabe and Naru. Yes. And then she's like, I know how to save them. And they're like, and, like which is the whole reason they brought her. She's good with medicine, right? That was, oh, yeah. Somebody got taken by a lion. That was how her brother convinced them to bring her. She knows medicine. And then they get there. And she's like, we need to do this. And they're like, no, we don't. And you're like. Yeah, why did you bring her? This is so bad. Yeah, it's, it's not it's, well done. You can't say it's the roles because her role in that society is as a medicine woman. So why wouldn't you listen to her? This isn't a social role thing. Anyway, we're harping on all this stuff quite a bit. This is bad. I know, but I think we've made our point at this point. <laughs> okay. So she's following after the cat, and she does find the snake, and she's like, animals don't do this. Right. It still had all of its meat and everything. It just was skinned and had its its skeleton take. It's just the meat there, and it twitches on its own, which is really weird. And she's going to find these giant prints, and they're going to be like, well, it's a bear. And she's like, it's too big to be a bear. And a bear wouldn't walk around on its hind legs. Yeah. And why would a bear skin a snake? That makes no sense. Yeah, like, these uh-huh. people are incompetent at this point. Well, they're also representing society that's unwilling to accept things, or rather, very willing to rationalize absolutely everything, even when it doesn't make sense to rationalize it. They're 
me, Kelsey. Yes. <laughs> yes, they are. I mean, now that you put it that way, it's like it's true. In all horror movies, there's just like, all the evidence is here. And they're yeah. just like, nope. Don't believe you. The problem is when we're talking about me and how I rationalize things, we're also talking about ghosts. So, like, where's your evidence? <laughs> she has evidence. So she goes after the cat. Unfortunately, she is unsuccessful. She falls from a tree, hurts her head. So, yeah, a couple back. of things happen when they go up into the tree. It's her plan to lure it with bait and stay up in the tree and then attack it unknowingly or whatever, right? Which is, I just want to comment, it's interesting because, of course, they say that's a stupid plan, blah, blah, blah. And then later, we're going to see that the French trappers do that. Now, what's interesting uh-huh. is her plan works. It makes sense. It's a cat. Uh-huh. It thinks like an animal. Right. But the trappers underestimate the predator yes. and they think of him as an animal, which, again, doesn't make sense considering all the things that he's been capable of, but they still think of him as an animal. But it's just funny because the French trappers do exactly what she does. Yes. And yet her people were like, nah, dog. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, so she's up in a tree and one of the other guys gets attacked in the middle of the night. As he's saying it's not going to work, the line's not going to come or whatever, just It won't matter how sharp it is if you're too afraid to use it. You're ready? You've never faced a lion. Its mouth full of teeth like arrows. Ready to tear your flesh and crush your bones. When your brother comes back, he and I will find the lion and kill him. Then it climbs up on the tree with her. And as she's scooting back, it's becoming more and more dangerous. She has her spear out in front of her. She looks to the trees and she sees light, more red light. And that's the moment when they both look away. The lion then attacks her. And you're like, I I feel like she got it. Because she like stabs it in its side as she's falling off and she hits her head. I'm like, I feel like she got it. So, okay, what's going to happen is she's going to wake up and they're going to be like, you caught the lion, it worked. Or, or somebody else is going to take credit. But that's not what happens, kind of. Neither happens. Yeah. Instead, she wakes up back in her tent with her mom saying, your brother dragged you back here. And she's like, well, I got to get back out there. And her mom's like, you obviously aren't needed out there. He wouldn't have dragged you back here if that wasn't the case. And then he comes back later having hunted the lion and bringing it back. We will find out later two things. Number one, the lion was weak because she did get it. And number two, he used her method of tracking to get it. Which he does not bother to say Uh uh-huh. uh, until the end when I think like he doesn't know he's going to die at that point, but he's pretty sure he's probably going to die. He does tell her that. And I think that's kind of bullshit. I think that that makes Well, because his... he became the war chief out of it. Right. I understand. But it makes his character... Kind of shitty? Yeah. Yeah. And it's weird because he's a great character otherwise. Him. Yes. And throughout the movie, the movie, you like him. It's just when you find out that, no, he got it under false... Pre- like, even when it's like, well... You shouldn't be here. You should go back. And and you're like, no, I believe in Naru Tabe's being too restrictive or whatever. Uh, You still at least believe that it's because he loves and cares for her, right? Mm -hmm. But that just seemed very selfish. Mm -hmm. 
But anyway, yeah, he comes back and they make him the war chief for having hunted and killed the lion. And they only do that so that it's a big deal when she gets it at the end of the mm-hmm. movie. Spoilers. Spoilers. Yeah, I say Paka the dickhead. His name was Paka. Paka the dickhead is grabbed from the tree while he's being a dickhead. <laughs> uh, headdress guy is not happy and they never mention why. When Tabe comes back, there's a dude that has the headdress. Not the chief, but the, um, he has the two he lines. He got in a fight with her. With her. Yeah. Why is he, ups- like, is there a competition there with Tabe? He's upset when Tabe comes back and is crowned war chief. That is never expounded upon. Huh. That's weird. Kind of, like, you could have just dropped that shot. Yeah. It seems unnecessary. Mm-hmm. Editor wasn't paying attention. Yeah, I guess. She tells her mother when she wakes up that there is something else out there. Yeah. Her mother does not believe her, which, you know, is a very much a horror movie thing. Uh-huh. But she basically sneaks off on her own. Well, but her mom also says that another point of the Akamiya... Katamiya. Katamiya. Is to survive. You think the reason for Katamiya is to prove you can hunt? But there's only one reason. To survive. And you failed at that. <laughs> no, like, the point is that she did survive, but they never bring that up again. They never, like, talk about, like... Well, I mean, you go on your cut to Mia, the only way to actually succeed is to live. Like, you have to come back, otherwise you didn't succeed. <laughs> right, but, like, I felt like there was a difference between the two, like, the brothers' ideas that if you don't bring the dead animal back, you lost. And the mom's mm-hmm. saying, no, you like you went, you fought, yeah. you survived, and that's what's important. And that's never going to be brought up again. Yeah. They're never going to talk about because, that again. Because defeating the predator is going to be, like, the point. It, you're, we're seeing the, the cut to Mia from Tabe's point of view. Exactly. So it's like, again, editor, did we need that line? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I I did write down, does no one care that that guy died? Right. <laughs> they never talk about it. They sent an entire group of people out to save a dude. To save one guy. To save one guy who was dragged off by a lion. Another one, while they're going out to save him, just gets mauled to death. Nobody comments Nobody on that. Nobody comments. <laughs> just nobody cares. Okay. That's that's Paca the dickhead. <laughs> I have in here, so she's she leaves and she goes to track it down. She's like, if nobody's going to let me do this officially, then I'm just going to have to sneak out. And so she does. While she's tracking him, we get the wolf scene where the wolf chases the rabbit and then he fights the wolf. More gorgeous cinematography of Canada. Yes, but bad CG animals. It's very obvious. The bear CG is animals. the worst, I'd say. Yeah. I don't think any of the others are too bad. I think the the bears, but they're bad. just very obviously CG. True, especially since they put the camera in positions that it wouldn't be if they were real wild animals. True, right? there's at no point that you think the animals are real, no. which is a bummer. It is, but anyway, there's a great moment, which is you have to have fake animals to do this. They have like a what I call a Ninja Gaiden moment, just because it's it's the opening to the game Ninja Gaiden, but it's an old like samurai trope. Where two samurai are gonna have, think of it like a Western duel, like in the streets, right? So it's the equivalent of that. I mean, we do get, it's the other way around, really, because a lot of Westerns are based off of old samurai cinema, but not, you know, anyway, where you have like two men and they have their swords and then they run at each other 
and then they pass through each other. They pass by each other, both swinging, almost like they're jousting, right? Where they're running at each other, and then they pass by each other. And the reaction, that's how you tell what happens. But then there's a delayed reaction, and sometimes it happens in the air, like in Ninja Gaiden, where they jump up and they pass each other by in the air, and you can't tell who wins. Two people land, and you're just waiting for which one of them is going to collapse. And that's what happens here. And the wolf is the one that collapses. Yes, absolutely. He takes its skull and its spine too. Yes, he does. While she is searching for this thing, she knows there's something out there. She's going to come across all the beloved buffalo, which is a very, uh, I don't know if this is exactly what it looked like, but it is a real thing. White people, especially, you know, hunters. Oh yeah, wiping they out came, entire they wa- populations. Yeah. Yes, and... It's really tragic because we you didn't... can hunt and be a conservationist at the same time, I right? Think. Yeah, <laughs> and they didn't they didn't need the, all that meat and fur; it was just excess, right? In this moment, a couple things. First of all, she does the line thing. This is where she adds the line to her hatchet, and she catches a fuck ton of rabbits with it. <laughs> yes, I she guess. Does. And yeah, this is where she comes across the buffalo, and they're all skinned, and one of them has a hole in its head, and it looks like the hole that was in Max's head when we see his skull later on in the first movie. It looks like that, but something's off about it. You know, it's skinned like the snake was, right? And it has a hole in its head, but these, like, they wiped out an entire population. And buffalo are not- They're not um, hunters. Yeah, they're not hunters. So, like, something's not adding up. So this is the one of the things that that they talk about. If you think, reading reviews, people are incensed at how she's capable of doing things. And it's like, well, okay, this is why movies- say things this is why movies go like this is what's happening on the screen right now and they like have to tell you and you're like you didn't have to tell me just let like show don't tell you know what i mean this is what happens when you show don't tell you get a lot of people that get really fucking pissed off because they just didn't get it they're not pissed off because they didn't get it they're pissed off because they think they got it and they didn't and so people will say in response to this, how is she so talented? How does she know how any of the, his his tools work? How does she know? The movie shows you constantly, over and over and over again, her being observant and watching things and figuring things out. This is her superpower. It's not that she's the greatest fighter. It's not that she's the greatest hunter. It's not that she's just an inherently good tracker. It's that she's very observant and learns quickly. Everything she does later on in the movie, she's going to see happen first. And where the camera's going to point to her, looking at the thing happening, point to the thing happening, point back to her as like a look of understanding. It's going to do that constantly. And people still walk away from this movie going, how would she have known how to do that? Because she saw it earlier, asshole. The movie goes through pains to tell you how observant she is. And this is one of those times. Where she's coming across all these things and it's very weird, but there's something different about this one. Why are all of them dead? Why Buffalo? Everything else is violent, you know? So, like, something's not adding up. I forget why, because this doesn't really work with her character. How does she just walk into quicksand? Walk into the mud? She's going to have an Atreyu moment. Yes, she does. Now... You might be thinking, well, why did it happen to Atreyu? Uh, because it was the Swamps of Sadness. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, in this movie, she's like this amazing hacker. I mean, tracker. Hack the planet. Hack the planet! She's this amazing tracker. 
Why wouldn't she be aware? Be able to recognize that. Mm-hmm. Be aware of the area and know mm-hmm. what's uh, dangerous. Yeah, it is kind of weird. But we need a struggle moment. And so, and it's also going to come up later. Because everything that comes up later happens first once, right? <laughs> and she's going to use her hatchet with the rope to try to pull herself out. And she's going to miss repeatedly. And one thing I really, really appreciated is because you're just like, okay, she's going to miss a bunch and then she's going to get it. I'm not scared for her right now, right? This did it very well, I would argue, despite how simple it is. (laughs) By letting it last like a few too many times. Like one or two misses more than what you would expect. You're like, okay, she's going to – this is the time where she's going to get it. This is the rhythm of the scene. And then she misses again. Or it lands and then it pulls back again. And you're like – you start to go – uh, instead of wondering how is she going to get out of this, you're wondering, movie, how are you going to, like, that was your time. What's What are you going to do now? And it still builds that tension in you, despite the fact that you know she's going to survive. So I thought they did that pretty well. I was surprised. I mean, it's, it is. It's the last second. Like, she is about to go under. If it doesn't work this time, she is dead. And yes. it works. And I was uh-huh. like, I don't know. I don't know what's better. Well, no, but I what I was saying is that it seemed like there was a time where if it doesn't work this time, she is dead. <laughs> and then it doesn't work. And so she gets even deeper. And you're like, oh, my God, how far are they going to let this go? Uh, as soon as she gets herself out, her dog shows up with a rat, which I thought was funny. She's like, oh, thanks. Yeah. And she's going to come across a bear. And this is where she's going to finally see uh, the predator. Yeah. Well, there's also a really tense moment here because she goes to fire at the bear who's unassuming. Right. And when she does, the the string on her bow snaps. Or it comes Because off. it was in the mud. Which yeah. earlier she had said to her brother, who had just killed a hawk, don't go in the water. Be careful with your bowstring. Yeah. Uh-huh. And you see it here that it broke. Yeah, totally. You see, it's like a it's like a poem. It rhymes. <laughs> Again, it's like poetry. So if they rhyme, not not in that way. It's just they they reference something first before, so you know what's going on when it happens later. The bear hears that and sees her and tries to run around to get to her, and so like it's another really tense moment. Okay, so she obviously needs to restring her bow or run away. She doesn't run away. She tries to restring her bow. And that bear is getting awfully close, and she still hasn't managed to restring it. Like, how are they going to do this? And that's when Sari, like, gets the bear's attention and runs away, takes it down the hill and down the river, which gives her enough time to do what she needs to do. And when she jumps down, here comes Sari running back the other way with the bear chasing her. She ends up diving in the water, Naru does, and into a beaver dam, which I thought was pretty cool. Parkour. Parkour. There's more parkour. Yeah, there's a little more parkour. Parkour. <laughs> she hides in the beaver dam. The laughing place. <laughs> it's not the laughing place. That's the briar patch. <laughs> but it looks like that. <laughs> and uh, this is, yes, this is when she's the rabbit again. The bear is the wolf. So the predator comes by and it kills this bear. And there's a big, like, f- basically a fist fight, a wrestling match between the predator who's cloaked well, the bear the thinks bear. it wins, because the bear does attack him and yeah. get him down, uh-huh. but he doesn't realize that the predator is stronger than he is. Yeah. And we see the predator Does lift. he punch him? 
Yes, he the bear does a last charge and he just smacks him right in the face. He holds the bear's lifeless body above his head and does like a victory shout thing. And this is the first time where she sees that there's something there because it's like dripping all over him. And she's it's, very frightened. Yeah. Oh, and did have we seen the green blood at this point? Did the she, bear cause? She's seen the green blood. Yes. Yeah. Uh-huh. Earlier in the movie and here. He he does get hurt here. And this is when she's like, oh, shit. And yeah. she runs. Uh-huh. And she's just like, I am in danger. Yes. We also get a kind of a look at his mask, which, as I mentioned earlier, is the river ghost from Predators. Ah. Ah. <laughs> it's an actual skull. I think she runs into... the Oh, yeah, because they've come out looking for her. So she runs into the party that's looking for her. And she explains it's the, what's the word? Mupitzel. Mupitzel. And they're like, you mean the monster from a children's story? And then, like, she kicks one of their asses. Yeah, and then this they're is like, where the fight happens. Fuck you. And they kick her ass. Yeah, and, and so since they're beating on her, she's the rabbit, they're the wolf, the predator attacks them. And you might not, like, I would understand if you haven't grokked this yet. I would understand if it just seems like she keeps getting in scenarios and the predator, the predator attacks. Her. No, no, no. I'm saying like the predator keeps. T- I, I, I would understand if you haven't yet realized that that that's what's happening. Is the predator is literally saving her, not because she's special and needs to be saved, but because she's prey and he needs to take out predators. And so that's what he's doing. He's taking out her predators, and she just keeps getting assaulted all the time. So this just keeps happening. Do I believe that if a, a girl can kick one guy's ass that he wouldn't be embarrassed to need his friend's help to kick a girl's ass? Do I believe that? Yeah. I don't know. I, yeah. They do sort of sucker punch her in this mm-hmm. moment. But yeah, then the predator shows up and kills everyone. But as far as she's concerned, the predator is attacking them like as a whole, including her. She doesn't understand the relationship that they have right now. It's a parasocial relationship. <laughs> so she, she runs away. She's able to cut herself loose because they've tied her up. She runs away and runs into one who I guess Chris says went to go take a shit. I didn't remember yes, that line. Yeah. He says, like, well, where are you going? Take somebody with you or whatever. You want to come watch me take a shit or whatever the actual line is. I said stay together. I got to go take a squat. You want me to do it here? But so she runs into him and he's like, don't worry, I've got him. And she's like, no, he's got us. And yeah, so they uh-huh. run, but the other guy is not fast enough and he gets killed. Yes. And this is when she's going to run into the French dudes. Yeah, she. so she gets her leg trapped in one of the bear traps. It's just a flesh wound. Kelsey's going to mention how it's unbelievable how she's not. She can run on this run thing. On like. No problem. Right. No, it, it, I mean, the the biggest problem with one of these things, number one, is you're trapped and you can't get out. Number two, it breaks your bones. But this trap, I guess, is for smaller animals because it's not a bear trap. Like, it's a bear trap style, you know, where it closes like that when you put pressure in the middle. But it's not, it's not big enough for a bear. Uh, it's a small thing. So, yeah, I can understand maybe it doesn't have the force to actually break her bones. It's just a flesh wound. She will heal it later. But in the meantime, she's going to walk around on it like it's nothing. Mm-hmm. But then the predator is going to come up to her and he's going to have the chain. I don't know if she's attacked him by this point, And so maybe he feels it's okay to be violent to her now. I don't know. I feel it's unclear at this point. Yeah. He picks up the chain and he starts pulling towards him. And that's when you hear people shouting in French. French. And he... he 
as he kneels down to lay down the chain silently, he cloaks himself. Because he doesn't know what these people are. He yeah. doesn't know what the threat is. Yet. And he backs away unseen. And they show up and they're like, ooh, a lady. And then pop, butt of the rifle in her face. She gets knocked out. She wakes up in a, a cage. cage. Realizes they're the ones who killed the buffalo. One of them comes up to her and he's like, I can speak Comanche. Please tell me what you saw. This is Raphael. And he explains... I think it's a hunter. I think it's looking for predators. Uh-huh. Now, that's really interesting. If you hadn't figured it out, they just told it to yes, you. Yes, they literally tell you by this point. So <laughs> remember how earlier I said I could understand if you haven't gathered that yet? At this point, there are no excuses. <laughs> the frustrating part here is they are totally telling you exactly what the predator is doing and that they do understand that. And then they use them as bait. As human bait. So what we haven't mentioned is that Tabe is there as well. And when he was off looking for her, which is what the other guys said he was doing, he gets he gets captured at some point. Um, and they're threatening him to make her tell them what she knows. But what they end up doing is stringing them up like it's Attack of the Clones and off in this field. And they're going to wait for the Predator to come and get him. And like you say, you just explained that he attacks other dangerous things and they're tied up to a post what makes you think he's not going to see them as the rabbit and you as the wolf it's so dumb it's really dumb i don't see where the logic well they're dumb i think is the point (laughs) they they're idiots so you can sort of write it off that way they're they did something stupid it's not the movie being stupid it's the characters being stupid and that's okay well, they're all going to die by the Predator's hand. Almost all of them. We're going to get the line, if it bleeds, it can die. Yeah, that's Tabe. what Tabe says, because she's like, I don't think we can kill it. And then he says, if it bleeds, we can kill it. I don't know that this thing can be killed. If it bleeds, we can kill it. They've seen its green blood now. Yeah. The French think they have it caught at one point in one of their traps, which I'm just like, again, like, You've been watching this thing. You know what it's capable of. And you think this trap is going to hold it? Uh Uh-huh. Just, I don't know. We get to see all of his wonderful toys. Yes. We get (laughs) all his wonderful toys. We see a bunch of different things that he can do. You want to say some of them? Yeah. So there are some really good ones, such as he has a snap bracelet knife. (laughs) You know what I'm talking about, though, right? Uh-huh. It's a li- it's a little round thing, and he snaps his wrist, and it straightens out, and it's a knife. So he can throw it, or he can use it as a knife, you know, whatever. He has a net. Which is what she's going to get her hands on later, right? Oh, yeah, she's going to get knife. the snap bracelet knife, yeah. yeah. He has a net, which he shoots it over people, because they caught him in a net earlier, so this is almost like, fuck you, how do you like my net? He casts a net over one of them, which wraps around a tree trunk that's horizontal. And it pulls down into into this device at the bottom of it. And so it slices through the trapper and the log until it closes completely, uh, just like with a great amount of force. And so that dude is just shredded. He's just nothing anymore. He's just dust at this point, which is awesome. He chops off somebody's head with his shield because they fire at him and he uses his shield, which is like the shield in God of War that sort of unfolds and... He uses that to block the bullets, but he also uses it to chop somebody's head off when they're up close and he he opens it and chops the dude's head off. Yes. At one point, doesn't he use that and somebody shoots and it like ricochets off of it and kills them? Uh Uh-huh. 
he at one point uses his wrist computer as a self-destruct, but it's not a self-destruct. We don't see exactly what happens when it no, happens. It's this big build up to a little light show. It's weird. Yeah. But it's these things that sort of fly up and you get the impression that it's these devices that float in the air and then these razors just go everywhere. So he gets away from them and kills all of them. Meanwhile, Tabe and Naru also get away. Raphael gets away and the the fat asshole. Yeah, Raphael. Yeah. The guy, the fat asshole from earlier. The guy who was hitting her and then cut Tabe. Yes. He also gets away, but we don't see that yet. He'll come back in later. So Raphael had his foot cut off, and he needs to be saved. And so Naru's going to save him. If he teaches her how to use the gun. The flintlock pistol. But something goes wrong? Is the gun wrong? Is she not using it right? I'm confused. She's not using it right, I think. It's because it's not very it's very complicated, the instructions he gives. And she even says at one point, not too little, not too much, because that's how much powder he describes to put in it. And she's like, uh, not too little, not too much. Like, she's trying to figure it out. She's not perfect. But she's very, very observant, and she pays attention. And so when he explains her, she gathers together and she's able to use it most of the time there but she gives him this orange tootsie i think it was called the flower that lowers his body temperature this is the stuff that they gave to the guy who got pulled away by the lion earlier and so when the predator comes by looking for them this is where she realizes that and she says it out loud for people who can't tell what the camera's looking at he can't see him i can't see him And then we see the Predator's vision. And you can see he kind of sees an outline of a body, but it's completely cool. So he's not afraid of it or whatever. He just completely overlooks it. See, I thought he stepped on it on purpose to see if it was alive. He turns and he walks. And then when he walks, he steps on him. And he doesn't stop until Raphael sits up and screams. And that's when he kills him. Like immediately. So it's almost like an instinct. Yeah, I don't think he was planning. That guy was going to live. He would have left him, but then when he walked over the body, he realized he wasn't actually dead. But she does at least gather this much in this moment. This is where, like in Predator, when Dutch literally says almost the same thing. Instead of he can't see him, Dutch says, it can't see me. Mm-hmm. He couldn't see me. Tabe is going to show up when she's in trouble here. Yes. Because she's going to try to fire the gun and it's not going to work. And Tabe's going to show up and be one of the f- fucking most badass things. Oh, we didn't mention when she she gets in a fight with the Frenchman and she completely obliterates them. And it's a one shot. Have we did we pass that up? Yeah. One or fight with the French trappers getting sorry free. Yeah. She, she goes back to get her dog. And then she gets in a fight with all these guys that are still at the camp because they were off doing the bait thing. She goes back to the camp to get sorry, her dog, and she just obliterates all these guys there in really, really cool and fun ways in a single one shot. And you know me, I love a good one so that was a lot of fun. But anyway, now Tabe gets his fighting moment, and he fights one-on-one against the Predator with his bow and a single arrow. And it is so fucking badass. He just shoots him, and he gets really close to him, dodging his hits, and then pulls, just rips the arrow out of him, and then shoots him again, and just does that over and over again, and it's just so fucking awesome. <sighs> I love it it is so cool well it's sad because tabe is gonna gonna realize (laughs) it's gonna be like oh shit he's right behind me this is as far as i go see you later bye and he's gonna die yeah 
So he tells her to run. He, yeah, and he get buys, to the choppa. It's the he, get to the choppa moment. And yeah. he buys her more time because even though the predator thinks he's he's killed him, he goes after her. He again stabs him. I think with the arrow again. Yeah, he comes so back. He I think on a horse or something. I don't know, but yeah, he comes back and buys her even more time. Eventually, she sort of had her opportunity to plan out the best way to trap this hunter. Yeah, so she is with the fat guy now. She's found the fat guy, and we say that not derogatorily against fat people, but that's, like, obviously the way that he's being framed. Yes. You know, he's the disgusting Frenchman who You are not supposed her. to like him. He is, yeah. call, he is obviously calling her the C-word in French, even yeah. though it doesn't actually tell you that. <laughs> you know, he's not a good person. He, he enjoys hurting people. Yeah, and so she basically gives a speech... While he's sort of trapped, she leaves the pistol there so he'll go for it. And I really wish they had just kept her talking to the Predator the whole time. Instead, she talks to this Frenchman in a language he doesn't speak. Right, but the point is, is that everything she's saying is directed at the Predator. And then she has to, the very, because it could very easily be to both. Be either of them? Yes, and then she, at the end, has to say, and neither does he. And it's like, no! Everything you were saying was perfect just for the predator's sake. Like, yeah, don't, no, even, she's give, talking to the don't even give the hunter the time of day. Yeah, no, I see what you mean. It would have been the most disrespectful thing to do to the hunter, and that's what he deserves. Yes. But instead, this is for our sake. She's upset at him specifically because he's the one who cut her brother. And obviously, she's upset with the predator. So she's going to use him as bait, but... In, in this scenario, he's only bait if he's a threat. So she leaves out the gun. She wants him to want to attack her. Like, this will all make him the real bait, as opposed to something tied to a post. And so she says, you bled my brother. Which, again, as Kelsey said, both of them have at this point. So now you bleed. You think I am not a hunter like you. That I am not a threat. That is what makes me dangerous. You can't see that I'm killing you. And it won't either. So that's what reveals she's talking to the Frenchman and not the Predator. I think it would have been a better twist, like you say, to make it sound like she's talking to the Frenchman and really she's talking to the Predator. Mm -hmm. That would have been much cooler. You're absolutely right. But she's been eating the flour this entire time, so her body temperature goes down. So there's this really cool moment where he approaches the Frenchman and she just takes a tiny little step to the side so he doesn't bump into her. And that's really cool. That was awesome. I love mm -hmm. that moment. Yes. And yeah, he attacks this guy and kills him. And then this is where they get into a fight. She comes from above and jumps on him. And there's this awesome fight between the two of them. Sorry shows up. She does some cool shit to help her out. She makes him cut off his own arm with his shield. She tries to, he tries to do oh, the shield thing. Oh, we haven't mentioned thing. how many arms have been cut off in this Oh, yeah, movie. totally. <laughs> Just like in Predator when uh, yes. Dylan's arm gets cut off. Uh, there's a lot of that. So he's like grabbing her and he's like tries to, tries to do the shield thing to, to her. Uh, like he did earlier, protect himself and hurt her. But when it comes out, the way she moves, he ends up cutting off his own arm, which is awesome i think that that's really cool mm -hmm. she also at one point when he's on top of her and he's pushing her down she rips off his mandible and stabs him with it <laughs> later on when you see him scream he doesn't have a mandible and it's just glowing green from his blood right there uh it's so cool at one point the dog will come in and help her out during the fight yeah yeah sorry uh but it's funny because it sounds like you're saying sorry yeah <laughs> uh 
But what I didn't like, at some point he loses, I guess that's when, he loses his helmet. In the fight with the Frenchman, I think. Yeah. Or in the fight with her brother. Yeah, he comes by on a horse and knocks the helmet off of him. And so she grabs it then, back before her brother died. And the Predator, I guess, just doesn't know that she has it? Yeah. I guess. He just knows he lost it and he got into a, a kick-ass one-on-one bow fight with this dude. She took it. He's not even thinking about his helmet. And he and this is all one fight at this point. I have no idea how this technology is supposed to work. I would imagine that it would need to be attached to him or something to still be connected. Yeah. What, what the fuck do I know? What this teaches us is that it independently assesses threats. That's what it does on its own. Because And we see him actually throughout, like when he watches the rabbit and the wolf, it shows the helmet zeroing in on the wolf and then it says something in the predator language. So it's obviously capable of identifying those threats. It tells us in that moment that it is. But it does it independent of him prompting it to. This is why self-driving cars are a bad idea. <laughs> yes. So what she's going to do is she's going to set it up. She's just going to like set it on a thing to where it's going to point like at a tree or whatever. And he's going to show up and he's going to fall in the quicksand just like she did. Although he doesn't have any options here like she did with the rope or whatever, right? He sinks and she's like, oh, good, he's dead. And then he rises back up again because you got to remember this motherfucker's really goddamn tall. Although he's actually shorter than the original Predator by a couple inches. He stands up and he pulls out the flintlock pistol that he took off of the French dude that she left for that French dude. And he points it at her. And that's when he gets the three dots. Somebody shows up here. Is it sorry? Somebody's run. Is it her? Somebody's running by and he tries to shoot them with his shoulder mounted cannon. This is how he dies because it has. He thinks that's that the bolt. whole point. It's kind of like, come on, do it. Yes. Kill me. Kill uh-huh. me now. Do it now. Yeah. She it's has that, that sort of moment, moment because mm-hmm. she wants him to shoot because she knows that if he shoots, the thing is going to shoot him. Yeah. So he pulls out the gun. The mask identifies him as a predator. And he's going to be now the target of the thing that's laser guided. So I assume that if the laser's not working, he just fires it. It fires in the direction he's pointing at. And so he fires it and it spins around and then it goes right through his head and kills him. And that's how the predator dies. And she comes walking back to the camp, carrying the head of the predator, at which point they make her war chief. Nobody asks what happened to Tabe and the rest (laughs) of the crew, but they just make her war chief. And then she hands over the flintlock pistol to the leader of the tribe. And then we get credits. And these are, I guess, they're really Native American artists who painted on animal skins to, like, do this. This is how, So it's an animated thing of what looks like Native American artwork of basically the events of the whole entire movie. And then it catches up to where the movie had previously ended, where she's leaving the predator head. And then in through the atmosphere, through the clouds, come three new Predator ships. And that's where it ends. So there's almost like a postscript, but not quite. Almost a stinger. But that doesn't really make sense because don't don't they honor the humans that can kill them? Exactly. So we don't know what's going to happen next. Now, they could be setting it up for a sequel. uh, but, But we do know that by the 1980s, 90 something like that whenever predator 2 came out they have that flintlock pistol because that is literally the same flintlock pistol that they give danny glover it's Raphael's pistol 
So how it goes from the tribe having it to the predators having it, we don't know. So it could be that, you know, we don't get anything else in this world and that's how she's going to die and they're all going to die there or something like that. And they're going to take the pistol or maybe there's some sort of social exchange going on. We don't know. I think the point is, is that that's not where this is supposed to go next. As far as I'm aware, Trachtenberg was just like, this is a sort of interesting story to tell in this universe. And then if they were to do another one, it would be a completely different thing. It wouldn't be more of Naru's story. Kind of like with Predator and Predator 2. So that is Prey. Kelsey. Mm -hmm. What do you think this movie has on Rotten Tomatoes? I mean, I guess it's high again. I will say 85. 92. 92. The rare action thriller that spikes adrenaline without skimping on character development. Prey is a Predator prequel done right. Uh, The audience score is 79. I thought this was worth pointing out. Uh, If you can look past some dodgy effects, true, Prey is pretty much the back-to-basics Predator installment fans have been waiting years to see. Yeah. (laughs) Very much so. Metacritic of 71, cinema score, it wasn't in theaters. It was just uh, on Hulu. As of this past week, this was the highest-rated Predator movie on Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, If you count for that lower audience score, it is the second highest behind the original. And whichever way you want to go there, I totally agree. From what I've seen, and I guess I've only really seen the good ones. I saw saw Predator 2 once when I was younger. I've never seen an AVP movie, even though we have them. I've seen Predators. We've seen Predators. And we didn't watch The Predator. But yeah, this was, I would say up there with the original and i can see why people might even like it more but do you what did i give the original you gave the original a 75 okay i will give this a 77 oh so you think it's a little bit better than the original two percent better yeah i think this is very good it's very pretty i however feel like a lot of this is riding on the goodwill of the franchise which is incredible that it still has any But people still really get excited for Predator stuff. Because of that, I think almost I can't give it a higher rating than the original. Like, I like the original more, I think. I think this is a better movie. I like the original more. So I gave the the first one an 88. So I'll give this one an 85. But it's very, very good. I think if you liked the first one, you should watch this one. The action is incredible. And yeah, if you can put up with the CG animals and some weird effects. Yeah, it's really fucking cool. So that is Predator and Prey Week on Pod Cemetery. Thank you, Kelsey, for accommodating me. Mm-hmm. What are we watching next week? Well, guys, we're all going back to school. We are. So every single one of us. It's time for some college horror. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You picked one, huh? Mm-hmm. What's talk about some really privileged college kids Uh and what it's like. I have a feeling I know where this is going, but go ahead. We're going to watch The Skulls. Yeah. 2000. About the Skull and Bones Society. Yes. Yeah. And Initiation from 2020. All right. Sounds like a good combination here. So back to school week next week on Pod Cemetery. 
Until then, you can always find us on our website, podcemetery.com, on Twitter, at podcemetery, and on Patreon, at patreon.com slash podcemetery, where we just put up the first episode of Kelsey's Book Club. Woohoo! Yeah, we talk about Firestarter and the Black Phone and even where the crawdads sing. We have some thoughts. <laughs> you can get that over at patreon.com slash podcemetery. Don't forget to subscribe to us in your podcatcher of choice and rate and review. A five-star written review is the biggest help you can give us there. But even bigger than that is sharing us with your friends. And even bigger than that is just listening in the GD first place. Thank you all very, very much. We love each and every one of you. Until next week, I've been Chris. I've been Kelsey. And this has been Pod Cemetery. But before we go, Kelsey, any last words? I see you. Hello, Ames. Do I think this? Uh huh. That the predator is an inspiration for the demogorgon. The demogorgon. Mm-hmm. Um. Like I would not have thought of that otherwise, but because those names are there, it's like, how do you not consider that? Especially with the new Predators. Because the new Predator's mouth is much bigger. Which I don't get. Why would you change the design? Unless you're just going to argue, well, they are a species. People are allowed to look different, I guess. Different races. Yeah. Well, when you go to um, their home planet in Predators, you see a bunch of different animals and stuff like that. As a matter of fact, there's a reference to it in Parade, which I will get to. Yeah, these seem to be the only things. People make reference to it. It's it's online. And those are the only two things, though. Rip the skin off, cut their eyes out with my knife. Yo-ho! 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 What's that from? Um... My brain. No, no. Uh, Cannibal the Musical. It's the song that the trappers sing when they meet the trappers. Mm. And seeing Prey made me think of the trappers. Mm. The last boy scout. The last boy scout? The last boy scout? I'd say I hit the peak of my cussing in middle school. Do you, did you, as a middle school teacher, which you were before, would you say the same thing that middle schoolers are more crass than high schoolers? I think parents would be shocked and disgusted with the way that middle schoolers speak to one yes. another. I think that by high school, it's so normalized that uh-huh. like parents don't even blink when their kids do. But I don't, I, I feel like middle school. Parents would be shocked 
Like, and it's funny because it's funny because the reason it becomes so normalized by high school is because they've been doing it since middle school. But like the way these kids talk. Oh, yeah. I mentioned it on the show before, but I remember distinctly in middle school going, I cuss too much. I should probably cut down on that. I did not start cursing until high school. Interesting. But anyway, that's when I remember this particular slur being used a lot. Funny short story. Yeah. Uh-huh. So I didn't curse in middle school. I really didn't just because I was a fucking goody goody or whatever you mm-hmm. want to call it. I don't know. But I never cared if other kids did. Yeah. Right. Didn't. Why would I give a shit? But one time I. Okay. You guys all hate my laugh. I get that. <laughs> You've never heard what me yawn. My laugh? <laughs> You've never heard me yawn. Uh-huh. I can yawn very loudly. Yes, when I'm not can. thinking about it. Uh-huh. And when I start to yawn, I intake breath like nobody's fucking business. Uh-huh. And I guess I was in a class and I guess some kid said fuck. And I just happened to yawn right at that moment. Uh-huh. So I went <sighs> or whatever. It sounded <laughs> like I was gasping. Uh-huh. And they all looked at me and they said, "Don't tell." And I thought it was hysterical. Just how like, "Oh god, somebody's calling us on." Yeah. yeah I thought it was hysterical and I think in the moment I just didn't know what to do, so I just kind of treated it like I did gasp, but I was just like, "Okay." Like I thought it was so silly. I was just like, "Sure, guys." And they probably thought I was such a prude? Yeah. Certainly. Here here's the thing though, guys. I will say I love and am in love with the woman across from me right now. But someone did not teach her how to yawn when she was a kid. And she yawns in such a way that you're like, oh, come on. There's no way that's not intentional. It's not intentional. It's natural. No, I get it. Everything I do is natural. That's the funny part about it. It's not a pretense. There's nothing. You're not putting on anything. I I don't care so much. I don't care how annoying my stuff is. (laughs) Good for you, Kelsey. (laughs) Kelsey, I'm uh, I'm on Twitter here, and I'm on Twitter here, and literally the next post that I'm looking at is somebody posing doing that handshake from Predator. And they call it a man shake. A man shake. If you haven't glocked, you're ghosting us, motherfucker. (laughs) I don't care who you are back in the world. You give away our position one more time, I'll bleed you. Real quiet. Leave you here. Got that? I wish I could remember in the moment right now. Uh This would be way more effective. (laughs) Um, But I ain't got time to bleed. Oh, okay. (laughs) You got time to duck? I woke up. Why don't you? You're an expendable asset. My men aren't expendable, and this isn't what I do. I don't do this kind of work. You cooked up a story and dropped the six of us into a meat grinder. Landmines, tripwires. You think this boy shit scout's gonna work? You want to say that again? You think this boy shit scout's gonna work? You think this boy scout shit's gonna work? (laughs) <laughs> yes, exactly. Jesus, you killed a pig. Think you could have found something bigger? Or as the French say, demon. Demon. Yeah, demon. he will say that in pray. Um, they're going to go to the chopper. Oh, no, this is, yeah. 
You don't want to watch Arnold? <laughs> I don't want it distracting me. <laughs> Get to the chopper! Yeah, so... So oh, it's... She's licking my foot. <laughs> 